Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? Uh, this is Dar Williams, who who is an amazing musician. If you don't know, uh, first of all, she plays a, a beautiful song that was deeply moving, uh, one of my favorites, at the end of this conversation. Um, so if you want to jump around, you could jump to the end, listen to her play, then come back, or, or just save it for uh, the treat that it is at the ending. Um, she's amazing. I've referenced her so many times that a wonderful weirdo, Sophia, who I met same day, put us in touch, got in touch with me through my manager or something, and, uh, and I, they were like, do you want Dar Williams on the podcast? And I was like, absolutely. And I was so excited and so thrilled. Things have been going uh, amazing with the TV show, but I'm getting like a little burnt out and we're working uh, long hours and leaving it all on the court. But I was like, if Dar Williams wants to do it, <laughs> we'll find the time. And we, we sat down and I'm so glad that we did. She's amazing. Check out all her albums. Uh, the one that we talk about a lot is Mortal City, which is something that was very influential in my life and remains to be so. Uh, and But since then, uh, I, she gave me a CD, other stuff. you got to check out her whole catalog. I'm including myself in that because I had a narrow understanding and now a much broader one. She's amazing. you got to get into it and enjoy it and start with this wonderful conversation. There's no ad. Let's get to it as quickly as possible. And uh, that means ending this up. If you want anything on PeteHolmes.com, all the T-shirts are up there. Uh, out of nowhere, Werewolves Vote went back on sale. <laughs> that was fun. Petey is my homeboy. All that stuff is on PeteHolmes.com. In the meantime, enjoy uh, the wonderful Dar Williams, everybody. So glad she could do it. Get into it. <laughs> Are you a guitar loyal person, or do you have a bunch of different ones? Uh, you know, I have a few, but I have the, the one that I have is a Collings, and um, you know, it found me. What do you, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, actually, I wanted to get. There was a. Um, I actually had a beautiful parlor guitar, like a. Um, okay, this is going to sound. Um, <laughs> just hit myself in the head with my headphones. Um, I had one from. Um, uh, Joan Baez. It was a gift from Joan Baez, oh, and it wow. was a limited edition. Beautiful, and I always felt kind of funny with it out on the road because it's very valuable and it's very beautiful, and it also it looks so beautiful. And is and, Parlor the brand, or is it just oh, like it, a leisured guitar? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, a, it's and, a Martin guitar, okay. and it's sort of, but it's small. Oh, okay, you know, like me, so that's all yep. good. And yep. then, and, so regular for you? Yes, <laughs> regular for hands, me. Regular. And yet, it looked kind of. You know, I'm not the greatest guitar player, and so it kind of looked you kind play of on precious. Your, you play on your own albums, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, well, it's great. What are you talking about? Oh, no, it's, it's fine. It's it's you, you know, just know phenomenal guitar players is, is your problem, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. They, that's what a friend said to me. He yeah. goes, you know, actually, you shouldn't, you know, compare your musicianship to, you know, like yeah, th- th- this is our field. Yeah. We are stunned every day by the yeah. people we're surrounded by. So yeah. don't get all freaked out about your lack yeah. of musicianship. That's that's a problem so, with our, our community as well. A lot of overlap. You look at you look at somebody else that's so good, and you'll never start. You know what I mean? But I think you're great. Th- thank you. Yes, thank you. Well, please. you know, <laughs> please. Please. Uh, go on. So you have no, this no, beautiful you know, parlor. So tiny I had guitar. this thing, and then and then, but I wanted something that kind of would. I wanted something that I kind of felt like the audience kind of saw me as a little like like a museum piece you know like i wanted a guitar that rang a little and i said i want a guitar that looks like uh i want people to sing along and you know it's a guitar shop where they're 
they're very nice to you if if you're actually out playing, you know, mm. professionally. Like they'll kind of hear you say that, and and so the guy took something off the wall, and he's like, "But it's a cutaway, so it won't look gigantic on you." And how about this, Collings? And it was it was amazing. And so that that's this that, guy. That's this this. Or is it a lady? Yeah, yeah. It's a gal. No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. It doesn't have a name. No name. All right. It, isn't it? But it's it's fabulous. And so and Michael Collings is Collings. And apparently he knows all the people who own his guitars and stuff. So it's, oh really? Yeah. It's a great. You know the the guitar world is probably like the world of musicians and comedians. Like everybody knows everybody. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I always think it's kind of fun when when like uh, Glenn Hunter did this podcast. Oh, and yes. He's got that. He's torn a hole through his. Like he's very loyal to like one. It pro- I don't even know if it's a nice guitar. It sounds right. nice, but they have like these stories and stuff. What happened right. to your wee one? What happened to the little parlor one? It's at home. Okay. It's at home. She's yeah. retired. She's, <laughs> she's knitting now. <laughs> That's interesting. So you wanted a guitar that said, please sing along? Yeah, I just wanted something that seems... I thought the word populist was good. I thought, like somebody said, is populist bad? is pizza. You know, like populist is what everybody can have in common. Well, now it's like Donald Trump and, you know, sort of this... Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't really... Well, a lot this, of shitty the, things are popular, <laughs> right? I mean, It must, it must be that, right? Like racism is wildly popular. <laughs> Sexism yeah. is wildly popular. Yeah, and then somehow that's called sort of populist or like what's out what's out there maybe right. but i thought populist meant like everybody wants to sing along everybody wants pizza everybody wants, you know you so. want popular i guess like yeah, pop, like the but, pop but, and pop music stands for popular which yeah. i think is weird well yeah because it's, it's more you've manufactured yeah mm. <laughs> well you're considered a pop folk person yeah because well, you're not uh, pushing anyone away with like i don't know right right scathing <laughs> ugliness or i don't know what you would do to not be a pop folk person right right <laughs> well if you wrote songs with like many many verses sometimes you that the pop gets taken out right, right, of right. that yeah if you've got a very long beard you know <laughs> although no no actually that's that's like the thing now so well oh yeah long yeah. ass beards are very popular yeah, do you consider that when you're writing are you trying to be like let's uh, like i remember that tom petty thing they say uh don't bore us get to the chorus have you heard that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, there is. There's a whole. There's a whole way to. You know, I lead a songwriting retreat. And, oh, you and, do. And it's great. But it's called writing a song that matters. And I did it because. And I called it that because you know it can't be called like how to write a hit or anything. And there are songwriting places that kind of specialize in that. But I went to a songwriting thing where I taught, and everybody had a different reason for wanting to write a song. Somebody loved where she worked and she liked writing historical songs so that she could sing them like at fundraisers and stuff like that was a, a, a like a record thing. of the time you mean kind of like she worked at a, a historic site and so she and she loved all of this the land you know she just wrote a beautiful song that had to do with that historical site and talked about wanting to sing it at a big fundraiser oh, where okay. she you know so like people write things for somebody was writing something because he was writing love songs to his wife because they were going through a difficult time in the family with their kids mm. and he wanted to make sure that they didn't lose touch mm. so he wrote love songs for her and that was why he'd come to a songwriting camp God, so can we get a follow-up on that man <laughs> how is he now do you have his number i don't know Text this man <laughs> no i don't even remember his name i'm you so know. No, i feel I, very it, emotional today like very raw not just that story, I'm like, oh no, in a beautiful way. That's it was great. A beautiful. And was he okay? At, yeah, at, at he writing. Was, yes, yes. Oh, and that, you know, and that's the other thing about songwriting. Um, you know, people have it in them. Like they want. Some people want to write songs just for their. Uh, we have. Uh, 
That's is that me. You? I'm so sorry. That's okay. okay. Hold on, let me it's just a beautiful try. choice in ringtone. Yeah, well, because it goes off all the time in radio shows, and it's so embarrassing. I'm so sorry. All right. Where is it? It sounds like a meditation bell or something. It helps me sound. Sophia's laughing. This happens a lot. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So you're saying the other thing about, please, um, uh, so, songwriting. Uh, oh, the other thing is that a lot of people who sign up for my the thing are um, teachers. Mm. There's someone who taught songwriting, and she said, but I kind of feel like a fraud because I haven't written a song in a long time, and I, I think it's important for me to be in it. You mm-hmm. know? And we have had pastors and priests. Um, and so people write songs for a lot of different reasons, and, and I don't Do they want to write praise songs or something? Kind of, well, yeah. yeah. We had an Om Shanti one. That oh, really? So, that, yeah, and now I can't get it out of my head. Really? And it was the first song that this person wrote, but you know, sort of like... So they wrote the melody? Uh, yes, they wrote, and then they, but they also wrote, yeah, and then they kind of embellished around a certain thing that the Buddha said. So okay. that was like when I, you know, in my life I do no harm. I, I, you know, I seek to do no harm. And then that was that. And then they went into Om Shanti and oh, wow. so catchy. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes people just want to manifest, you know, they're in a religious practice and they want to manifest what's going on with them as opposed to figuring out what the audience is. Well, doesn't is. it feel good? I mean, that's yeah. what you do. Yeah. Do you consider your life a happy one? I feel like yeah. creating stuff is one of the great hacks. Yeah. Hacks. That's life hacks. sounds so stupid. <laughs> but it's no. like a, a real truth. It feels good to make things. Yeah. And life can be very lonely. Not mm-hmm. not not as a as a whole. I mm-hmm. now I have to have a pop up to be like, don't worry, I'm not lonely all the time. <laughs> but we're all kind of stuck in these things and we go around and we're like, I see the world this way mm-hmm. and you think you're getting through to someone else, but sometimes you need a song or some or a painting or something to go like, This is really what it feels like to be me mm-hmm. and when other people sing along, as you said, or mm-hmm. feel it or get chills, we're like, Oh, it's less lonely now, right? Tremendous. No, I mean everything and then it goes beyond that because um I mean, I was just doing another uh, songwriting retreat, and I was talking about how when you're on a stage, you, you like, the first song in, you know, you, you show up and you're kind of feeling the audience. And, and I wish that I was just so contained within myself that I was just completely on from the moment. But mm. I kind of like that I'm feeling it a little bit as I get out there because maybe halfway in to your first song, you think, oh, that's right. This is what it's all about. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you feel them and then you also feel like that's what it's all about. It's just all, us having these moments, you know, like walking through a museum. I feel it too. Mm. Like we're all here really just to figure out like what, why. Mm-hmm. And we're all in it together and feeling that in it together is what – and that's what musicians get to – like no matter how unspiritual you are, over a period of time you, you understand that that's the way – Mm-hmm. That, that 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 that's what we're really trying to get to, and mm-hmm. then and then you get the jolt of that from performing. Mm-hmm. You know, people think it's very uh, narcissistic, and it's like, no, ideally, right. you're kind of swimming in the ocean of love, says Bruce Coburn. Yeah, well, that, that's that's the uh, I, I've talked about this before too. That's what makes a heckler or a loud drunk person so offensive yeah. is you're stopping the merging of the audience and the performer into this one thing. It's not just about yeah. you. It's supposed to be this. Grand merging, right? This one thing 
we're all alone and then we're all together. Exactly. Right? And it's so great. And, and you have this anxiety before and then afterwards, you know, people, I have this thing, you know, I, I come out and meet people and they're like, can you come, <laughs> you know, to this bris Cause, and it's sing a song, and then you're like, of course I will. And yeah. then you get a call from your manager like, did you say you were going to sing the yeah, bris? Yeah, you're like, yeah. I did. What's your fee for a bris? Yeah. <laughs> How do you figure that out? My fee for a bris is get me out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's so funny. <laughs> and so, but, but you're just feeling so, so connected. Of course. And, uh, and you love that person. Because why wouldn't you go to that bris? That's your bris. <laughs> Right? You know, yeah, know, of course I'll be there. I'm you. <laughs> exactly. You'll be there and, and I'm you, you. And you love the idea that they want to infuse that event with music yeah, and, yeah. and um, you know, funerals, weddings. And, and so, uh, yeah, so so that's that's what it's all about. So, no, I, I think that I don't feel very lonely because mm. of that. And sometimes if there's a long spell between performances and I'm feeling a little schlubby, you know, I think, uh-oh. Yeah, I I kind of love that thing because it's nice to think that you don't need performance to remember mm-hmm. the what it's all about thing. But but you do. Yeah, yeah, but you do. <laughs> you really do. Point. You know, my girlfriend Val notices if I'm not I'm filming a show right now, so I'm not doing stand up because we're doing way we're doing way too much performing. Mm-hmm. I said to Valerie, I was like, I we film like 14 hours a day sometimes, and then oh. if I went home, took a shower, and then went back out for more emoting, more speaking, more giving and getting. Mm-hmm. It's all mm-hmm. good stuff. Yeah. And I was like, you start turning into a crazy person that is incapable of having dinner with you. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. I can't, right. like So right. I was like, right. it gets dangerous. But when I'm not oversatiated, she mm-hmm. can tell when I need to do a show. It's a certain type of... Again, I don't want to keep saying loneliness, but it's isolation and you start going like... You get something out of it. For it's yeah. it's uh, mutually beneficial for the audience and for you. Yeah, yeah. I think other people might think, oh, it's about being a star and you're out in the front and and you get your ego stroked or whatever. No. But I really think when someone laughs at something I say, yeah, I go, oh, thank God. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Like I, I think. What did I say? I said something mean about my family at Christmas. I can't remember what the line was. But it wasn't, like, too mean. Right. But it was something about, like, hating going home for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Pretty base. Yeah. And everyone laughed, even though it was pretty, like, biting and cruel. And I, it was just nice to go, like, oh, good. We all have feelings like that. And then we all, the performer and the audience, kind of feel less lonely in that moment. It's so – and that's such a thing. And, you know, in a song, you know, like with the chorus – we were talking about how sometimes for your last chorus you just say one line and then you take play the rest instrumentally mm. because we're all we all got there mm. you don't have to say it anymore and, and then we can kind of feel it mm-hmm. in our you know so there's all that stuff so you're right it's like what what you miss is that kind of oneness thing mm-hmm. as opposed to the uh, you know you don't need to be a star mm-hmm. and actually being a star is and that that messes with your head right but that the oneness thing is. Um, yeah, you miss that, and then you start to feel a little bit, you know, odd man out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, thank you. Of Thanks, course. Pete. For what? <laughs> that, no, I know. I was, like, nodding along, but I was also going, no, he's right. That's what I miss between it. I'm illuminated. It's a, it's a gorgeous feeling when people merge into one thing. But I yeah. think you're losing it and not – like, if you go out, everybody knows I'm going to make a sex analogy. But it's sexual. It's energy mm-hmm. transmission. Mm-hmm. And you going out and being a little bit nervous and a little mm-hmm. bit unsure, that's where you want to be. At least, I'm going to say for me. That's where mm-hmm. I want to be. Oh, yeah. If I go out, if I'm backstage and I'm hilarious mm-hmm. and I'm just killing it and I co- I'm in such a good mood – 
chances are I'll go out and not have a great show because I didn't need them. I was mm. already where I wanted to be, and they couldn't elevate me. And then I went out, and I was already at, a, at nine, mm-hmm. and they were at a four, and I didn't take them on the journey with me. It's like, you yeah. should have been at brunch. <laughs> brunch was great. Brunch was where we went from lonely to this place. So I kind of <laughs> want to be nervous. Uh, yeah. And I almost want to do a bad joke up top just to show them that it's live. That it's mm. real. Yeah. You know what oh, I that's mean? That's so nice. Yeah, it's true because, I mean, the, I, I do envy people who can be a little bit, a, a little bit, you know, because the, the other thing is like people will say, oh, I came to the show because, you know, somebody had died and it was the first time I'd been out in public in three weeks. And there's a part of me. So you're sort of helping me because mm. I always feel like, oh, gosh, you know, that person needed something. Mm-hmm. And if and if I'm ha- and if I'm sort of neurotically standing there going like, uh oh, what is this all about? And and not just assuming right off the bat when I walk on the stage that I'm there to sort of be there and confident for them mm-hmm. that I'm letting somebody down. But but you're right, it's like by feeling them out then then perhaps what we're really trying to do is feel our way towards that more collective That's right. thing. Because and isn't, I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. But that, that, to, that to me is the sex of it. The, when, yeah. t- when two people are about to make love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Creepier horrible by saying expression, but uh, you... I just didn't want to be You crude. did it really well. No, I, normally I I'd just be like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. But if two people are going to fuck, <laughs> yeah. uh, they're feeling it out. They're looking for those uh, little signals that I can be where you are and we can literally become like one thing in a small way. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, merging in that way. Union, yeah. But, you know, in the same way, a performer can't come out and just like be some like spray tan jerk that's like I'm gonna fuck you like that doesn't work you know what I mean not for me not for a lot of people but I wonder if that's why you know a lot of people at folk concerts and stuff seem to be I, I have a sense that they're the similar type of lover that I am you know what I mean I look around I'm like these are those people I see a lot of lumpy and bumpy that's lumpy bumpy people yes exactly a lot of natural deodorant I'm getting it a lot of coconut oil I love it yeah. a good group yeah. But your vulnerability at the beginning is a, is gives them a foothold because everybody's vulnerable. Yeah. The audience is vulnerable. They're like, I hope this is a good thing. I want to get there. Yeah, it's a little bit like a drug experience. You want the live thing to take you somewhere, yeah. and then when you're there, you go, Oh, we're here. Let's all remember what it was like here. And then losing it, just like you lose it in between shows, and we lose it after shows, yeah. is part of it. Yeah. yeah. As, as Ram Dass would say, it's not a flaw in the system. The losing it is part of finding it again. And, we, and we're stuck in this like, cycle of losing and finding and losing and finding. And that's why we keep going to shows. Yeah, that's why yeah. I have to keep doing this podcast, even though yeah. there have been little moments of transcendence where we've all figured it out yeah. and gone, no more books, no more music. <laughs> Right? Had a, you know, I had a weird case of that recently, but I think it's my mind sort of tricking me because I know I have to sort of go through some change. And, and so the, I've been having that, like the Hamlet, like the words, 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 like, oh, mm. oh, yeah, I'm going to learn this thing and it's going to feel like the big thing. And mm. then it's really going to, I'm just going to really roll with it and write about it and think about it, talk about it. And then, and then next year I'll forget that That's it was right. even sort of cycling through me in that way. Right. You know, and there's this little voice that goes, then why bother? But it's like, I've changed over time. <laughs> And so much for the better. Yeah. You know, not just lipstick shades and deodorant that actually works, which is not the natural stuff. Happy Uh, (laughs) pit. Yeah, sure. So, but, you know, like, you know, there's things that have, you know, there's books that I've read that have changed my life and I think about them every day. And and, and the the wisdom you take in, I was listening to a little Ram Dass in Mm. your honor. Oh, wow. And and I liked the way my you know eyes opened a little wider to just to sort of a be, to be here now just yeah. now in yeah. Starbucks, and, oh, wow. <laughs> but you know it, it and and it's 
usually I'm excited about that reality. Mm-hmm. But recently it's just like, oh, and I know, I think that I'm on the border of some, you know, stuff that, that's, you know, because I'm putting a lot of lives together right now. What and do you mean? What's going on? I'm, um, <laughs> I, well, I'm writing a book mm. that's uh, with the temporary title, uh, a, a Wayfaring Minstrel's Guide to Urban Planning. <laughs> because I've seen these towns that are, I mean, towns are like, people are like, hi, we're a town, we have really low self-esteem, and you're doing this concert series in the church basement, and somebody hand-lettered the, hand-numbered the tickets, and don't don't talk to the sound guy, he's really passive-aggressive. And, like, we don't know what we're doing, and our town is kind of... And then the next time you come back, and the same people are like, we've got this community garden that we kind of started because we were talking, you know, during your show. And, and like, towns become take on these identities and mm. i've started to see what the building blocks of that so are so i have a contract to to write that a book. book about how to take frumpy towns into better places to become a better town if you want like a groove a cooler a more res- I say resilient uh unique and prosperous that's my you know because you need to sneak that part in sure. but it is prosperous <laughs> on its on its because it's local economy it's on right. its own terms and if there's a yucky developer or a big thing that wants to come in and kind of pave over your town you want what we call social capital, which is like the, the, the bank account of goodwill between people to say, you know what, that has nothing to do with the fabric of what we've created. So, hmm. I'm, you know, so I, it's a kind of a pro-democracy book, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a starter democracy thing for me as well. But so you have that and then, and then I'm leading these songwriting retreats and then I teach a course called um, – Okay, don't freak out. It's no. called Music Movements in a Capitalist Democracy. <laughs> Music Movements in a Capitalist Democracy. Yeah, I put the capitalist in. I just, because it's like, because capitalism is funny with art, what it does mm. to art. So, and then I'm writing songs and performing them. Well, what do you, uh, there are so many, I could Sorry, go into so any one of those areas. I'm trying to find the relationship between those things. No, yeah. you bring it home before I, before <laughs> we delve into one of them. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't, well, you know, one thing is that, um, uh, Robert Putnam has a book called Better Together, and um, and he's like the guru of social capital. He's a sociologist at Harvard. And mm. um, so I think in every one of those things, that thing that we were talking about, that sort of oneness thing, mm. towns that, that experience being – I call it positive proximity, you know, that they experience proximity to one another as a good thing. Mm. Denmark. Mm. I always go to Denmark. It's like these, these forced communities. I don't mean forced. I right. just mean like – we put up so many walls, and the dream here is the gate and the and the hedge, and you know as much separation as possible. And Val and I were just, well, as actually Val was watching this documentary I love called Happy, mm. and there's like in the third part of it, they're talking about places like Denmark where people just live on top of each other, not in a bad yeah. way. No, nope, but everybody's right. chopping cucumbers, and there's the chore wheel, and the kids, and everyone's <laughs> raising the kids, and yeah. this is like a low income thing. Like this is where Absolutely. poorer people live, and yeah. their quality of life is through the roof. This yeah. is the summer camp phenomenon. This yeah, is what you're absolutely. talking about with community gardens and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Is we all know what would make us happier, but I feel like there are these competing lies that, that steal it from us. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and there's, I mean, the whole idea, I mean, when I, my, I have a friend, his name is Hal Movius, and he, he loves studies, and he loves, and he said, Dar, what creates relationships? Like, you know, according to the study, what do you think? And I said, uh, I don't know, values? He goes, nope. You know, and I said, you know, <laughs> politics, hobbies? Like, no, no, no. And he said, it's proximity. Mm. And I was like, oh, and I had that American thing, like the non-Denmark, where I was like, I just heard the thing on NPR about how they were testing dogs 
who added this condo association so that they could always find the, the – they, they got the DNA of the dog poop so that they could catch the culprit every time. Oh, my God. And it was just so – there's this business they're doing. They're like, we're doing really well, you know. And <laughs> so so you I was can like, point That's... fingers at the dog that shit on your lawn? <laughs> yeah, totally. Wow. And And, you know, and, and the things, you know, you hear about, you know – violence between people over parking spaces and yeah. i was like no that's what proximity is i was like what this you know like i go to towns where people have to you know they choose interdependence they choose to find themselves mm-hmm. at these downtowns pretty thanklessly and then they and they make this thing and they and they have these friendships and they and they have different skill sets and different social skills and, and mm-hmm. some of them terrible social skills, but they find their place and mm. bad boundaries. Like they do everything wrong and yet they find each other and, mm-hmm. and, and they have this sort of uneven social terrain, but they find each other. And, and so, you know, and some of them really need it and don't know it. And so, so that's maybe what I have in common with the music movements thing, like music movements always do better to have music in them. I mean, not music, social movements do mm-hmm. better to have music in them. Mm-hmm. Some soundtrack, you know, like the civil rights movement. They decided at the beginning, they said, we shall overcome is going to be the it's central, all, yeah. the central one. And we'll, we'll radiate out from there. Uh-huh. <laughs> but there was a decision that that was going to be. And, and it held up so, so well. And it just was this, it, it, to the point where LBJ said, we shall overcome. When they were passing the legislation, he said, we shall overcome. Mm. And, you know, it had permeated upward towards it. Mm-hmm. But you need music to kind of get past the humiliation and the, the <laughs> just the awfulness of the tedium mm-hmm. and the, the what the hell are we doing of being in a movement. Well, also just being human. Because I was yeah. thinking it's fun, all these situations where you're imposed on other people, where you have more neighbors and you have fewer doors and stuff, like, yeah. like college for me or, Absolutely. or summer camp. I was a big summer camp kid, even though mm-hmm. now that I have uh, my own house and, and my own car and all this stuff, like I, I fight the, the demon of isolation. Like You yeah. just want to be like – and we all live in a world where we're getting closer and closer every day to being like the big fatsos in uh, Wally, yeah. oh, where yeah. we're just drinking – the Slurpees that taste like Thanksgiving dinner and we're mm-hmm. watching TV. And there's this phenomenon talking about Ramdas where it's like we know we're getting closer and closer to a world where you can have your needs met. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. Food delivered, whatever you want delivered, including entertainment. You can be moved. You can, uh, you can cry if you'd like. You can watch people falling down for five hours if you want. Yeah. Drugs are legal. Kittens. Yeah. <laughs> Kittened. Yeah. Whatever you need. Yeah. But we're not getting as much of each other. Yeah. I live a, a half a block away from two of my dearest friends, Kumail and Emily, and we never see each other. I'm not talking shit about them. We just don't see each other. Yeah. But why? I guess, and we're talking about music and, and smoothing the edges of things, just seeing people can be awkward. Yeah. Like working on the TV show I'm working on, we're, like I said, it's like 12, 14-hour days, and there's so many of us, and we're all together all the time, and that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But I notice I offend people so much more often because we're together all the time, and you're just going to say the thing that is perceived wrong, and you were joking, but they came late, and they didn't know, and now you have to apologize. There's all this stickiness. Exactly. So <laughs> instead, we, we risk the stickiness to get maybe like a nice, human, wonderful connection where somebody tells me about their granddaughter, blah, 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 or whatever it is. But... 
we start to go like it's not worth it. The risk reward isn't worth it. That's exactly right. I'll stay in and watch a movie I've already seen because if I talk to you, even right now, I'm risking offending you. I could say the wrong thing. I don't know uh, that much about you. What if, what if you're mad at me? And we've got, we've let that run away so far that we're just like, fuck it, ice cream? Need met. We like sweet things. We like fat things. We like, we like tits. (laughs) We like movies, explosions, whatever it is, documentaries. It can be the intellectual version of it. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Absolutely. You get lost there. But if we're not in summer camp or some sort of Denmark low-income housing, it seems most people I know would rather not deal with other humans. And that, and we, but you're you're right that that there are all these uh, uh, alternatives, and that's what because what like sometimes I um, before I do something like be on this radio show or something mm-hmm. like that, I have a little prayer, which is please God, do not let me humiliate myself so much that I wake up tomorrow morning and just <laughs> stare at the ceiling oh like, my oh my God. Why the fuck? You know, That's why did great. I say that? And and welcome I just, to my world. Exactly. That's me every Tuesday. It is so. Oh, I heard you say that, and I was like, I know that oh, really? feeling. Yeah, every yeah. this comes out Wednesday. Every Tuesday, I wake up in the middle of the night, and, and I could. I could. What uh, if I said something? And and you know the dinner parties that we have, and and then you know you, you drink wine, and then you say that thing, and yep. then, you know, and yep. the next morning you're like, you know, I could, or I just wake up and I was like, wow, I just talked so much. Like maybe somebody could have fucking said something. Yeah, that wasn't me, you know. Right. And, so it's like I live to not feel that feeling in the morning. And yet, you're right. It's, you know, I'll write about it, you know, in a journal. You know, I have write my little page. Yeah. And then I'll look back a year later. And I won't remember. I'll be mortified. I love that you're saying this. And I won't even remember the person I was mortified from. I could, I, if I don't have a last name, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah there was that. Yeah. So it's totally worth it right. to interact. Right. The mortification will fade. <laughs> and any person who's a person will know if you are blabbing at a party – Dar's just blabbing at a party. She had yeah. one too many rosés. I've been there. I, I am there. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's something that I did just last night. I forget what I was feeling kind of stressed about. Raw. Mm. Val's in her, she wouldn't mind me saying, she's in her fourth cycle. Like, fourth, some, she, oh God, I'm forgetting the language. But her moon cycle. Mm-hmm. It has something to do with when she gets her period. And she's like, I'm feeling very vulnerable. And I was like, I do too. I wonder if I'm like syncing up with you. So last night, for no reason, I was very just kind of anxious. And I'm falling asleep. And I always think of my anxiety as like mercury, like liquid mm-hmm. mercury. And it likes to pool somewhere. So mm-hmm. it'll find something mm-hmm. and it'll just like gather there. Mm-hmm. Uh, death, what are people going to think of the show? What if people stop loving me? What will people think of me? Wh- who am I really? Am I gross? Am I disgusted by myself? <laughs> All these different things. And then what you're saying is this, I think it's a Buddhist thing, which is what were you worrying about a year ago? And that's what I asked myself. I said, what were you anxious about a year ago? And I couldn't rem- How could you remember? Yeah. What yeah. were you worrying about a week ago? You don't even remember. Yeah, I mean, even that, right? <laughs> it seems so real at the time. And we're so convinced that it's capital I important. What you did at the party was important and it fucked up. And nobody was thinking that. No, right. or, or if they were, they'll forget too. It's all fine. <laughs> I know. And, and, it's kind of, and you're actually right because, you know, I have friends who do talk to you know who yeah. do have one too many and then they say something and and it it all kind of contextualizes you don't hold it against them right it kind of finds its way if it's if it spikes out a little bit you're like okay that's you know so it spiked out a little bit right but then you put it in like you you always do that for your friends you always accommodate those that's right things and why can't we do that for ourselves yeah yeah, yeah. but but it's <laughs> but getting back to the thing about interacting with other people that's maybe i'm just doing all this stuff for myself because you know i see these towns where people just really put it out for each other in these coffee houses and then I see the way that they 
and then they speak so well of each other, you know, mm. and and kindly about each other and and about you mean their the town. other artists. The other well, when or no, actually in a coffee house, like the you know, I'll, oh, not like performing the, the, the just, promoters, you know, uh-huh. and um, I've been interviewing people about their towns, and it's so personal to them. You know, I I kind of feel like talking about towns and cities and and how they develop their identities is is should be in like the self help section. You mm. know, like how you feel about yourself in a community. You know, if you helped to make that park, if you helped to unroll the lawn <laughs> that they said right. to roll, or if you knew how to figure something out. This woman from woman in our town, Pam, she just does all this like she designed all this stuff on the playground and the shade structures and mm-hmm. like she that must be part of her identity. She walks her kids to school and she sees yeah. how she is in the community and how much we love her. And yep. so how is that not – and then you say to people, how are you in your town? And they're so proud. Like they're kind of like, oh, I didn't really think – oh, well, now that you mention it, like my town is a big part of my identity and being with other people. And when they – something forces them to be in interaction with people, yep. they're, they're happy and they have such esteem mm-hmm. for – each other and and what everybody else is doing and and so maybe I'm just trying to create mechanisms that will just put us out there on a regular basis so that sure. we don't have to have the oh please God do not let me humiliate my friends you yeah, know like yeah, you have yeah. to go grocery shop yeah 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 <laughs> but in New York mm. which is has such a reputation for being a cold harsh place. We have such a better sense of a, a little town where we live because we get our coffee on the outside. Yep, As Seinfeld yep. would say, we don't make our coffee inside. We go to the same place and the same people hold our dog every morning. Yeah. And they, I know where they live and I know their kids a little bit. It's true. This is what <laughs> – I get emphatic. This is what the Native Americans were talking about. Have you heard that story about the guy uh, you know, back in Native American times? I always forget his name because I'm an asshole. But like, <laughs> see? I'm going to be embarrassed that I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> But he had this dream. It's like a kind of a classic story. He had this dream of a future where everyone was living in rectangles. And he was like, it was horrible. Mm. And it was like this prophetic dream of we all live in these rectangles oh, now. Yeah. But back in the day, it was all together. It was taking care of each other. We know. We know. I think we're all going around. I catch myself all the time going around like, I'll live on the grid now. But at some point later, we'll all live in this kind of... Well, I'll have like these separate places. I'm not saying we all sleep in one big bed or anything, yeah. but we'll all be together like summer camp, like grownups, and we'll take care of each other's kids. <laughs> yeah, that is this assumption. But you see, the thing is, I'm, Later. A, I'm a woman, so, and this is not to, but, but you know, the thing is, like a lot of my friends and I were like, we're going to all live together, and this is the way it's going to be. We're going to take care of each other's children. Yeah. And then this thing happens. We get married to men. <laughs> and yeah. they're like, ugh. No, men are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just and but at the same time, like I was looking at all these houses in the woods when I was looking, and then and the and the real estate agents, you know, and I lived up in Red Hook in, in near Rhinebeck, and she said, and I said, how did you know that I wanted this little house right in the middle of everybody? And she said, you didn't like the woods, and and uh. now we live in the middle of everybody, and we it's a real fishbowl, and I don't, you know, one time I was taking off my clothes, and I was like, it's so late, who's who could be looking in the window? And I looked down there. <laughs> Teenage boys. Oh my god! And they were just standing, and it's really polite town. It was this really sweet, polite town, and they were just standing like, like politely watching me <laughs> take off my bra. Somehow, politely doing it, <laughs> just like quietly, you know, just yeah. not, not, no hoots. No, there were no hoots or hollers. <laughs> no hecklers. <laughs> that would have been over the line because <laughs> we were one. And yeah. I just, I just, you know, waved and turned my back, like, that's okay, guys, so that's funny. Here. you waved. <laughs> yeah, I did. Well, you know, they were standing there, so yeah. I acknowledged, and but. But um, I said to my husband, like, you know what? I, I, people think that they want to live in the woods. 
they that would just terrify me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like they kind of scare me too. Well, woods are scary. Yeah, yeah for sure. And stuff. But men, uh, you think men? I think mm. you're right. Men have less openness to that sort of communal thing. I do have like a real a pile of puppies fantasy about what the future could look like and I kind of imagined and then actually I had a friend who was male not my husband who kind of walked me through what that might actually look like mm-hmm. <laughs> like the people I'd chosen in my mind and he's like I can see why your husband is kind of like, to live in a commune or to live yeah, communally yeah. well you know the, I think first of all like we don't talk, call it commune because commune is synonymous with bad sexual boundaries like exactly. that's just going to happen if you call it a commune right. and like I was talking to someone who's an anti-nuclear activist and he's like oh I lived in Montague, Massachusetts. And I said, oh, somebody said, oh, Montague, wife swapping. And (laughs) and so I decided not to live there. And he said, and I said, was it like that? Was it a commune? He goes, yeah. And I was with uh, Helen Forrester. They do E-Town. And she said, I don't think we would like that so much, Dar. And I said, yeah. And this guy, Harvey, goes, it was great. Uh, you know, I was like, okay, <laughs> works for you. <laughs> so we don't call it a commune. Well, but sex and guns other... mess up everything. That... Yeah. Well, sex and guns where you're kind of lying to yourself about sure. where it's all going to lead to. Yeah, right? that's true. So, you know, and you say, no, I can handle this. And you're right that that's they both have that in common. Like, I, I got this. I can handle right. this. And it's always it right. always goes awry when you really think that you – can have like yeah okay well i'm not gonna i don't want to bore everyone by taking that analogy too far because it will it will limit itself (laughs) yeah sure (laughs) but But take it somewhere but you're right that that sex will you know if you say i got this i can have sex with a lot of people and we're just really gonna just all love each other and it's gonna be fine right it's it's not gonna be fine (laughs) male or female you know that's where it always seems to go right but that that you know i don't know maybe i'm wrong about this but like Maybe men, I don't know, the ownership thing, it seems to come from a male place. The like, that's mine, the proving of things. We were talking about how, this is crude, but it's life, how like the the bell shape of a penis is to pull out competitor sperm. I don't know if you're aware of that. I wasn't. So no. even our anatomy is competitive. It's like, <laughs> I have a thing on my body that yanks out. If someone else had sex with this woman, I'm going to get my genes remade with yeah. this vessel and women tend to be more I can't speak for women but I do know that men and guns yeah. and guns are like dicks and we're all going around and claiming Asserting things and owning and, things yeah well this woman I, I, I went to the women's Michigan Women's Music Festival and she's like these men have uh, it's that that's like the clothing optional women only and then mm. um, and then there was a moment which they said women born women only and, and that was very controversial and mm. we're really at a kind of a wide open point of People, I, I, I really understand that the people who made this women-only festival and then women-born women, I understand where they were coming from to create that community for a sense of safety and solidarity. And so I really understand that. But there's also this kind of wide-open gender thing now that, that really takes the life out of that bell shape, sucking the sperm out right. of the, you know, because a lot of people are... Uh, you know, claiming different kinds of identities. If you're if if you're gay, then then that kind of turns that whole thing upside down in terms of yeah what that so penetration we're able, does. We're or, able to know. transcend our anatomy. Certainly, I'm a straight male, so yeah. then I'm like my dick's competitive. <laughs> but someone might be like, I have a penis, but I am female. Or exactly, it's yeah. all you know. We're turning ourselves upside down, and I do think that it's and also 
having the freedom to talk about it. So you're like, you know, some days I actually feel like I am trying to suck the sperm out of something, you know, and then right. other days you don't feel that way. You know, it, you can kind of discuss it as it kind of goes in or, or like, when do I feel that way? That's so funny. You That's know? one of the big things of life for me is I'm like, okay, sometimes you do feel very competitive. Yeah. And sometimes you feel completely vulnerable. There are times when I am like 90% feeling very feminine. Like I was telling you, I was yeah. like, I'm syncing up with my girlfriend. I'm feeling vulnerable. Exactly. Songs are making me cry. Things that I'm not saying women, just associated with more of a I get it. feminine energy. Yeah. But who are we talking about? We make laws and we make rules and we yeah. make communities and we make all these different things as if we're the same thing all the time. And we're not, <laughs> we're right? Not. So, and we're very fluid. You know, I was having a super angst thing. Uh, you know, I was teaching a songwriting thing, and I was just and, – and my therapist is telling me to feel my feelings. So I was like, okay. <laughs> and it wasn't getting better. You know, I was like, you're supposed to – you know, you're supposed to then, you know, go in deep. And then you, see, you feel yourself emerging because you allow yourself. And I wasn't. Mm. And I told her that. And she said, well, it sounds like you were having a generalized teaching anxiety. And I was like, mm. oh, yeah. Pretty generic, hey? And so, and, but I was, you know, I was a different, and I feel competitive when Mm -hmm. that's, you know, when I'm feeling generalized teaching anxiety. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it could be the fourth quarter of the moon cycle of your, of Val. Mm That could be. Or, you know, it's, there are certain feelings that bring those things. But if we can discuss it and kind of make it fluid. I wish we could be more fluid. It's just really hard. We're getting more fluid. No, I don't mean that you should be less competitive when you're not feeling competitive. Like, that's your business. But but to discuss it with our friends. Right. Just to understand it. To to fluid, gender fluidity, I think, has been... Groovy, yeah, 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 <laughs> helpful, and orientate people coming out and being free about their orientation has also just been. I think, I think wars will not be fought because of gender fluidity. Yeah, I, I hope you're right. I, I think you're. Right. I mean, I really, I know I'm right. So that's yeah, the yeah, good you're news. right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm interested in just fluidity in general. I oh, suppose. you're right. Yeah, you know, like a guy joins a commune and mm-hmm. he really is in a very open, wonderful, glowing place. Mm-hmm. And then this is why werewolves are interesting to us is because then there's a full moon and for some reason you become an animal. You know what I mean? The same guy. Yeah. Gentle Ben in yeah. the commune with his hemp necklace. He's so sweet. Yeah. And then like we turn into other people but, like, we all go around acting like we're always the same person. Yeah. Well, you know actually, I, mean? I would say Gentle Ben is, is specifically the person to look out for. <laughs> I, maybe, and that might be a, a female thing, too. Like, gen, I, I would see Gentle Ben coming. I would know. Really? I would point to him and say, that werewolf isn't even going to wait for the full moon. Like, really? he's going to wait till, like, reaching for the biggest dessert off of the communal dessert tray. <laughs> you know, like uh-huh. that. <laughs> Look the, out for Gentle Ben. Well, you know, it's, it, they, it's the Seinfeld thing. I mean, here's the thing that's eternal. Like, I reference it all yeah. the time, the, the um, uh, serenity now, insanity later. <laughs> that is, because I've seen a lot of people really working the, the you know, nonviolent communication or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and, and really trying to... S- s- speak you know the very boundary speak and like i'm going to set a boundary now and a lot right. of times it's like they're looking at you and their eyes just say i hate you yeah <laughs> and it's like i just need to set a boundary here right because i'm just have it's okay right and they're uh, you know and but they're saying it's okay because i i hate, hate you. you yeah yeah, yeah. So, in fact i just closed my eyes when i don't want you to think i hate you but you know it's, <laughs> it's so it, there's so much aggression yeah. Behind. Well, how do we reconcile uh, yeah. that too? We can yeah. be these like kind of groovy, fluid things, and then there, there's also this 
totally primal animal side of us that does hate and yeah. needs to be exonerated, needs to be redeemed, or needs to at least be expressed. Yeah, yeah. Like running around like a lunatic or whatever <laughs> it might be. Yeah, that's what my first album's called The Honesty Room. And The Honesty Room happened because a friend of mine said, she said, she was she became a therapist and she's like, Dar, what do you, just tell me you're feeling. There's no wrong answer, which mm. is always a tip off that there's a wrong answer. So she goes, <laughs> just tell me what you're feeling. And I was like, I just... I know, okay, I'm just going to tell you, I hate my ex-boyfriend's new girlfriend, mm. like more than I hate him. Mm. And she goes, that's none of your business. And she I was that? like, that is, great. That you know, is bullshit. Back I go. So, so I, so I, I hired the builders to create the honesty room, you know, in my head as the little place that I would go to, to just think whatever I, so I could hate my exes. That's and then fun. once you're there, you realize, you know, she's she's what she is. You do hate him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but you kind of look at it, and and then a lot of the hate dissipates. But if you, you know? won't allow, if you won't greenlight your own grotesqueness, that's what I think is. Yeah. yeah, it's just grotesque. It's not gross. <laughs> it's not bad. It's just a bit much. Yeah, you know what I mean. But like, it's a caricature. I'm, yeah. When we put them away, I think that's where you start to grow a Hitler. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or a tumor. You or know? a tumor. Yeah. A tumor. <laughs> <laughs> or Schwarzenegger too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, I think when we start going like, don't look at that, don't look at that, don't look at that, I think we're afraid that if we go down a certain rabbit hole, we'll, we'll come out something really evil and wrong. Yeah. But the truth is you can go in your honesty room. You had a literal honesty room. Yeah. But you can make one in your head where you go, right. I'm going to explore the fact that I hate my ex's new girlfriend. And that's okay. Yeah. And it's okay. It's yeah. Let's just see where it goes, you right. know, because you don't, you know, you know in your mind that, you know, you, when you know you, when you go into your honesty room in your head that you don't really hate, you know, you know, that's just too much of a coincidence. Like of all the people out there, she's the one, the one that you, you with, with, who happens to be sleeping with the guy that you were sleeping with. Right. You know, she's specifically bad. Right. You know, because actually she's specifically wonderful and that's why you hate her. What are the chances? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I didn't even, I should have opened with, on the podcast talking about how wonderful you are and how great your oh, music I mean, is and how funny you are and this is a comedy podcast but you're so funny <laughs> so poetic I'm sure people tell you this all the time but I should have told you at the beginning but there's a but I only know Mortal City that's the only oh. album that I have is that oh, weird no 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 that's I the, feel bad no no I was a lot like, of am people, I going to tell her a lot of people stop there it's okay I didn't stop no. there it, that one just came into my life and I was like this is enough it wasn't like I'm not going to follow you there was a I've lot going on I've listened to that album consistently since 1997 is that when it came out yeah 96 90, yep so I mean I'm thrilled no, that's great. <laughs> it's carried me all this way. I'm not a huge music person, but I yeah. love that album. I'm so glad. No, and that's that. No, there's no, there's no problem with that. I think some people, maybe like comedians, you know, there was that. It wasn't the, the Woody Allen like I love your old stuff. That yeah, whole thing. no, I have offended comedians where I'm like I love that album, and they're like that was 20 years ago, yeah, 20 and they're years mad ago. at you. Yeah, no, they're I mad. don't have any. It was important to me when I wrote it. So if it's important to another person, but it's lovely. It's do, like, have you oh, listened to it recently? Well, you probably still play some of, of those songs. I do play a lot of those songs. We're doing a recreation of the album this fall. No way! Because it's twenty. It's twenty. It's twenty years old. <laughs> <laughs> but it, so we're going to take it out and recreate the whole album. I'm yeah. like, Wait, do I have to be Jethro Tull? Like, do I have yeah. to do the whole? Like, I can't cut this one because this, this one's well, okay. What would you cut? No, actually, I. You redid, have to tell me what you would we, cut. We That's redid so the first one. And um, there was a song uh, that I wanted to – there were a couple of songs that I wanted to, to cut from the first one. And then – but then I listened to them with this uh, 
like I don't sound at all like I did 20 years ago. Is that right? Yeah. And your I, voice is... I like sounding like I do now. Yeah. So Was that so, something you kind of tweaked your own levels on your voice or did it change? Not on purpose. But, yeah, I went to a voice teacher who's awesome. You know, mm. she's like, she said, just open yourself up. Um, you know, you're going to be putting air into a lot of different places. There might be trauma. Just let me know. <laughs> I mean, she's fabulous. So, so just, you know, was, so she kind of opened up. So your technique changed. So my, my, the aperture of my mouth, even though now actually the secret is to actually control a lot through the aperture of your mouth, but like the back of my throat opened up and some hmm. of that sort of that up, there was an uptightness in my voice and it's not there. And also I was uptight. You know, I mean, that's I was going nice to ask you how you, how have you changed flow. that person? Then <laughs> I mean, it must be a different person. It's a completely the, the first album I did. The way I made peace with doing all the songs is that it's it's like there's a song called "I Love I Love" and it's talking about like I'm going away now. I'm going to go away, and it was basically saying like I've actually now sacrificed a relationship and certain kinds of <laughs> dignified conversations that I could be having with people in my suburban background about what I'm doing. You know, when you say like, I investment banker, I want to be a folk singer. And they're like, oh, I took that in and I'm going to take you at that. And I, you know, think you're weird, you know, mm -hmm. like I've sacrificed, I've put my foot down. And so I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to stay right here to, to, uh, in this relationship because I've got to move on. Cause you know, I thought that it was a specific thing that I was writing about, but the whole album was me saying, I'm about to have a really weird life, and I don't know it yet. Oh, wow. Because I'm going to live on the road, and I can't have a houseplant, and I can't have a dog, and I can't – I mean, and now I have children, but, you know, yeah. there's this thing called a spouse, and it's it's wonderful, and yeah. it really works out. So, <laughs> But even – but we still don't have a pet. And, and so, you know, I'm going to have this – so I was um, – so basically, uh, you know, there was this um, – you know, the thing that says, like, you better um, – think big because then, you know, because dream, dream big because your dreams might come true or something like mm, that. Mm -hmm. So I cut that out of a magazine along with a whole bunch of different pictures of women and goddesses. You know, I was living in Northampton, mm. Massachusetts, mm. and I put them up on my wall because I had been so deeply dumped by somebody. And I mm. wasn't getting back up again. And, like, I had my futon on the floor. And the house cat was like, who's this new person? Why don't I shit all over her bed? And she has to get a new futon. And, like, everything just felt... Everything felt like it was shitting on me. So, yeah. so here are my goddesses and this this thing that says dream big. And it's like someday I would like to play for 100 people, you know. Yeah. And I got vertigo because I felt so, like, arrogant, you know. But Isn't that funny? Yeah, so then. Something so, that seems so normal to you now when you first thought of it was, like, nauseating. Yeah, exactly. It was like, I couldn't. I kind of fell over. Except yeah. I was on a futon. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a That's new the one. beauty of the futon. New futon smell. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I uh, – so, well, what happened is I was so completely supported because the girl with the guitar thing in the 90s was so supported. And the coffee house scene, there were these booking agencies and stuff that mm. were creating this network of coffee houses and venues. So they were so kind. And, and it's just like stepping from lily pad to, you know, from, from River Rock to River Rock. Mm -hmm. And this booking agency took me on. They're like, you are so green. We usually take people a lot more established but clearly you've been paying your dues and hmm. and we've never drawn up a contract uh for you know 100 percent of the tip jar plus 25 dollars in dinner you know but wow. we're doing this for you and and so i was Did they get some of the dinner <laughs> <laughs> so we get our first job corner yeah. of the 10 percent of the, of the feed is there <laughs> and you send it into them the check. yeah <laughs> so they so so strangely i was so completely taken care of and but don't, then, didn't they? You said they yeah. see you paying your dues and stuff. They did. People like seeing somebody who is 
we always talk about leaving the village. You're leaving the comfort of a pad and a regular life and all these things, and you risked it. Right, you right. Were risking they saw it. that. Yeah, and they saw that, and they probably wanted to support that and your talent. Yeah, and they and the and the gratitude. Actually, that's the problem they have. If you haven't been working, to, if you haven't been paying your dues, then you come to them and you're like, "Why can't you do this faster? Why can't?" Mm-hmm. And they don't know what it's like to cold call a person mm-hmm. who's like have their have their own issues, and they you know, and you have this horrible interaction, and so um, <laughs> so, so they. So they took me on. But it was also – I wrote this song called When I Was a Boy. And what I didn't realize when I wrote it was that this whole country – you know, I was a feminist and I was in Northampton. So I was, you know, pro-sexual orientation, you know, the range of sexual orientations. And then – but what we were really looking at in the 90s, like under the surface, was this unifying thing of just gender looking at gender identity and mm. so that song you know starts out and it says when i was a boy i used to be to do this stuff and at the end i was going to make it like this breast beating you know and i can beat my breasts you know but I, it was going to be like that feminist like and globally like looks look at how terrible and tragic it is that women you know had the gender freedom and now they don't but i was like you know frankly i sit with guys at the bar and they all say the same thing. They are like, I'm not like other men. Mm. Like, at least women can talk to each other about feminism and what's going on and sexism. Mm-hmm. Like, men don't even know that they're out there. And they're like, you know, actually, I, I have these feelings. I don't know who to share them with. Mm. <laughs> and so I ended the song with a guy saying, actually, you know, a woman saying, oh, well, you're so cool. You're a guy. And I sacrificed my boyhood. And the guy's like, well, actually, when I was a girl, mm. I had my sensitivity and I had, you know, I was – my I, I love my mom and hmm. I could cry and, and I like flowers and, and and that song, like a friend of mine is a radical lesbian, she was like, Oh, why did you end with a guy? You know <laughs> <laughs> I thought, Great, okay, this That's isn't gonna so go anywhere. But I performed it for the first time and um somebody who I never would have expected to do this sidled up to me, a guy I know, and he said, I was a girl. And that was so so I got sort of hmm. I got a lot of float from one song. I don't know if that happened to you. Was that what happened with the E-Trade Baby? I can't believe you're the E-Trade Baby. <laughs> I can't believe you know that I'm E-Trade Baby. I have, to, I have never YouTube you a commercial. <laughs> well, here's the heartbreaker. Oh. I, uh, I was only the E-Trade Baby for three years, and I think there were four babies before me. So the chances are. Were you the one with the guy who says, they say he got, uh, he had an investment, he got an investment a guy, he hired a financial advisor, and then the baby goes, it's my dad's friend. And all the kids and all the babies go, ha, 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 and they make fun of the kid who, okay. Maybe. That wasn't it oh. might have been. I did <laughs> like 20 of them. That, that's not a famous one, though, is it? No. It's a it, bunch it's, of babies laughing. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a B-side. But it, I YouTube, I watched that thing so many times. Cause You're it's a these, deep fan <laughs> of E-Trade. I'm so impressed. Of deep cuts. Yeah. I don't know which one I did that was the most popular. I don't, I don't know. But the one that most people know is the clown and the one where he throws up, which is the first one we did, which was like a really, really, really long time ago, well before I came on board. Uh, no, th- this is the one where they go, so-and-so got a uh, – and it's like <laughs> six babies. I think so-and-so that is So-and-so got me. a financial – th- it sounded like you. It's me. It's like and I was probably the, one, the other one too. I probably said it. It's from my dad. It's probably me. We should look it up. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was so like you know you you'll 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 YouTube like a commercial from 1972 like Paul Mall. This is the one you should smoke if you're pregnant. You right, know, like right. you want those ads. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, Did but, Paul Mall say you no. should smoke those when you're pregnant? That's the baby's choice. <laughs> the, pink, the pink one. No, there are a lot of pregnancy books. They're like, don't eat. Just eat a carrot or you know, oh, really? a carrot or smoke a cigarette. Like, don't eat. Really? You know, well, yeah. Back in the day. Wow. Because <laughs> it was more about not gaining weight. Yeah. Now it's it like big mommy, happy. You know. Yeah, happy baby. The, the, yeah, yeah. Like a uh, fat mommy, smart baby. That's yeah. Apparently, the more oh. you pack on, the smarter your baby. So it's been incentivizing. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't know if we adopted our second child, so I wouldn't. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you didn't yeah. get the chance to see if a baby would be yeah, more yeah, darling. Because, of course, I was like, what? Did that happen? Oh, no, no. I, can't, I don't know. Where did you adopt your baby from? Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Yeah, yeah. She is. Uh, she's, she, she, she has. It's. There's a certain. There's a certain. Uh, my husband went over to get her. I didn't go. Uh, yeah. And um, there's just like people come back high, you know, from from Ethiopia. Hmm. That there's something so culturally, there's something so kind and really, there's, just, there's something very, you know, people talk about it. They they really can't describe it with words. You know how some people go to Hawaii and they come back and there's like some, you know, they went to be a disgusting tourist, but it, yeah. like Hawaii got them well, first. Well, Hawaii, talking about your town thing, they're like no place that people are like, the island really likes this. They talk about it like it's a thing. <laughs> it's like, careful, the island will squash your pride or whatever. They talk about it like a magical thing. Is it? So, see, that is, and that collective sense that the people get, you know, who knows, but you know, that's like there was a the, – I was interviewing someone. She said there's this guy who would dance in the middle of the town green and then somebody complained. And so they told the guy he couldn't dance anymore and the town rose up and said, we are people – this town wants this guy to dance. Who said that? You know. And, 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 and so now he's dancing there and she's like – and, and I was like, how, how, how did they even know what happened to this guy, you know, yeah. that, that suddenly he's not dancing, you know. Suddenly they're looking and like, where is he? Where is he? He's, yeah. he this is what this town wants. Yeah. And that's in North Carolina. Really? You know, so I think that humans can, you know, generally – or I was thinking this morning about New Orleans. Like, that's poverty. Rice and beans and playing instruments on your porch that you made yourself, a washboard. Yeah. You know, they, these are things – this is – a but look what that human will to create – Mm-hmm. Out of mm-hmm. nothing, mm-hmm. so that rice and beans becomes cultural, and the washboard becomes cultural. Like, like I don't, I don't know if I could write a book that explains that moment when people understand that they can, they have to create something. You know, mm-hmm. this stone soup. Do you like that book, Stone Soup? It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. I just find that to be like soup. people who like that that book, you know, because everybody has something to bring. You mm-hmm. know, it's like we have nothing to bring. And but then, like poverty and pain and art. I mean, they need it. Yeah. Uh, People in pain need it more than other people. When I'm in pain, I need art more than other times. Except the big box store says, "No, you just want to shop here." Exactly. Like that's what I worry about towns. You know, like when New Orleans. When when everything happened with Katrina, there's there's a next level of poverty because people's homes are washed away and 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 there's the mourning and the mm-hmm. anxiety and the and and so and I just thought but the way it's going to rise up isn't going to be through rice and beans and neighbors it's going to be Walmart going well you can have a job here mm-hmm. you can get a you know you can get a, a, a an economy sized rice and beans from us so that you don't so you pay less as opposed to like. I don't have as much, so I look to my neighbors. I look right. to my, 
you know, right resources. and Well, economy of rice and beans keeps you in the house more, too. Yeah, exactly. Fewer trips out, <laughs> and the then store. you see fewer people. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So. Now, that's interesting. I, 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 it, we're totally buying into the idea that buying things is, is a good replacement for making something. And, and, and you know, and then, but, but the good, I mean, and then, actually, there's a, I, I was I was talked at my alma mater at Wesley, and I had that like a ten minute talk. It was like a version of like a TED talk, and I said a TED talk, a te- yeah, and exactly. So I said <laughs> you can, uh, I, and I said I have some suggestions for what you should do, and they're like ah, you know, which is very nice. Yeah, because they'd be like, shut up. What but, were they? Um, one is to hang out with professors more, to have a social space, not just like office hours, but to have spaces because pr- it's that's a good uh, fluidity to have Completely between professors, agree. and they. And then you kind of learn what it, being a grown-up looks like besides your parents. And yeah. you learn that your professor has a dog. Yeah. And, you know, yes, they gave you a D, but also they have a dog. Yeah. And, and they have D children. For dog. And, yeah. We used <laughs> so to play that. penny poker with a professor of mine. It was huge. Just to see where he was a, he, he is a playwright, to see where his computer was. And I remember one, it was a Christian college, we went over and he had a Corona and a cigar and he didn't have time to hide it. Yeah. And it was so awesome to me. I was to like, understand, yeah. He, was sitting, he forgot we were coming. He was smoking a cigar and drinking Corona and writing his play. And I was like, that's fucking awesome. It's still inspiring to me. <laughs> I totally agree. Because, you know, professors are kind of in between, you know, like our parents and us. You know, yeah. they've chosen something. A lot of their friends chose, you know, tie and suit and tie yeah. professions. And then they've chosen this thing and they can kind of. That's right. And they say things, you know, there was, I mean, this so a friend of mine had a professor, maybe I'll ask you to cut this out, but she came over. She was a dance professor. She came over and she said something like, the best orgasms I have, I don't even know be, you know, when they actually happen because it happens to my whole body. Mm. And it was like a group of three juniors, these guys, <laughs> you know, and they were just like, that's really – thank you for letting us know. That's what we're really going to think about. Like they didn't report her and they didn't yeah. – they weren't like, wow, that was weird and inappropriate or wow, she's hot. Right. It's like that's really something to think about. Yeah. And, and it was <laughs> – you know, but I don't know any of my f- parents' friends, maybe your parents' friends who talk like that, but, you know. No, I think kids are hungry for adult transparency. Yeah, exactly. And it's hard to get that in the classroom. You say that in the classroom, right. you're in trouble. Yeah. But if you're playing weird penny poker, you can say things. And, and you, you can. And, it, and the kids pick up on the cues around your house, like yeah. how you live your life. And it's not because professors are choosing not to have sort of upper middle class. They're kind of right. in it. And the, you see them with their neighbors. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I could be in a like college town. You, you can live in a college town, whereas right. a lot of people can't live where their parents live until they, you know, to kind of get the... The, the moolah right, <laughs> or, right, sure. or the attitude or whatever. Sure. So, yeah. So I recommended that and yeah. I recommended uh, gorilla planting food all over the campus. <laughs> just <laughs> so, planting fruit trees and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, or just beans or basil, like plant it before you leave and it will come up and then you can have pesto dinners uh, wow. in, in September because yep. sometimes it just grows like a weed. And then, <laughs> and then the, um, oh, so, so what was I, um, then there was another thing. I can't remember because I was, we were just referencing that, that I told them to. Um, the other ones? Yes. Um, professors, be yeah, friends with professors, friends plant with basil. Then the plant basil. <laughs> well, it, it was stuff like that, but I, I won't get back to, to what it was. But um, I, I encouraged them to uh, find each other. Okay, that'll drive me crazy. I'll, I'll, <laughs> tomorrow, you're, tomorrow. You're not going to remember it? <laughs> no. I feel like you're going to remember it mid-conversation. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking about Hawaii and North Carolina and Ethiopia. Ethiopia and And your daughter. And my no, we lost it. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell me about. I'm very interested in adopting the the, your your baby and that experience. That was uh, 
um, my my husband Michael went to a fundraiser, uh, and um, he was uh, talking to. She was for uh, Al, for Al Franken, and um, his Al Franken's assistant had just gone to Africa, and she had been at a um, in a not not in Ethiopia in another country that had an orphanage, and she said the kids were lovely, but they were housed, they were fed, they their needs were taken care of, but they were three deep with their arms raised because they want to be touched. Mm. And he said, "We have to adopt." Yeah, and I was pregnant at the time, mm-hmm. and I was like. Yes, that's pretty good. That's where you get into trouble, too, with the yeah. human contact thing. That leads to all the – there's a lot of social disorders that are very preventable from touch. I don't know if you've uh, – You mean in terms of just the importance of being touched? You know, yeah. you'll have a kid and, and it's like, why is he this way? And then you find out he was a Russian orphan that, like, was fed, had his needs met. Like, right, all the things right, that right. keep you alive, but there was no holding and – these yep. babies would cry and wait for someone to come and get them, and no one would come and get them, and that's why he keeps punching Ricky in the face. You know, uh, yeah, like, no, oh, absolutely, no, and I think, I mean, and that's maybe the secret sauce in in Ethiopia uh, because there, it's there was so much warmth at, at the uh, orphanage uh, and Addis Ababa that my husband went to, and mm. there was so much. Her middle name is Sahai, and that's named for one of the nurses, which means sunlight, mm. and so so. Um, so he went over and um, she didn't – he called and he said, she won't smile. Like I think she, there's something going on with this. And I was like, do you think maybe it's like you're a white guy <laughs> mm. staring at her? <laughs> Could that be it? And then you're, and, and our friend Paul went over with him and, and so it's two white guys with glasses, <laughs> matching glasses. And I'm sure everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's really got a wife at home. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> – and they're both peering over the edge. Do you think maybe that's why she didn't cry? And so – I mean yeah, she didn't smile. Didn't smile. Mm. And um, so uh, so anyway, he – but he, he chose – there's a beautiful book called There Is No Me Without You about someone who started uh, an orphanage. And um, so, so he fell in love with that book, and we were looking at different countries. But he he knew, and and, and then I knew, hmm. and um, so he, and it was nice. Like when when the picture of her came over, uh, <laughs> you know, at the computer, we see this one picture of her. She's got huge eyes and hmm. just lovely. Uh, my mother in law's sister apparently looked at the picture and she said, "Go get her." <laughs> so he went over she was 13 pounds and the only way to make all the frequent flyers and everything work that were tickets that are available is that he actually flew first class and he hmm. said I have two things to tell you one is that um, we have to give all our money to or, you know, causes in Ethiopia. And the other thing I have to tell you is that we have to fly first class. It's great. <laughs> so, <laughs> Especially economy. the Ethiopia. That's a long-ass flight. I yeah, mean, yeah. it's got to be 18 hours, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was, we went through Germany, and it was it was great. But th- there was this 13-year-old, 13-pound, six-month-old. Mm. That's when she came. Uh, mm. We said up to two years old would be fine, but she was six months old. And she's 13 pounds. And all of these uh, attendants in first class are, <laughs> you know, holding her so that my husband can drink his champagne. Oh, so, yeah, my so gosh. Nice. That's great. <laughs> and treating her like, you know, a queen, a little queen. Yeah, of course. I, and what about your husband? I'm interested. You, you talk about having a spouse that kind of empowered you to have this life while you're touring and doing all these shows. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, he uh, he's uh, he's um uh, no he's he's great and he's a he's a music lover. So he's not a musician, but he's got. They say that there's a um, an indicator of 
musicianship, which is your ability to to memorize long um, a long series of notes hmm. just from hearing it once. And I have it, but he has it more. Like really? I went to a career counseling place and like you should be a professional musician. I was like that will never happen. And and you know, <laughs> but they said that to him or to you. They said it to me, uh-huh. and I was like no, because you know I'm going to be a a playwright. And mm-hmm. they were like. Okay, well, just keep it in your back pocket. You could also be a lawyer. That's what they said, or a professor. So, um, but anyway, he has it more than I do. So his musicality is extremely deep, hmm. and his appreciation of what a song does, and he can recall lyrics and stuff. So his sense of how important songs are is really, really a big deal. Although hmm. you know, he grew up with the yes, he grew up with all the male folk singers, and I grew up with the female ones. So we all wanted to have long hair like Judy Collins and. He wanted me Neil Young and oh, wow. or love Neil Young. So so um, so he has the respect and and he's yeah no he's he's an amazing cook and he's also a builder so he fixes stuff and he cooks so he's kind of like I got this oh wow <laughs> and it's okay that he has kind of this rock star wife I mean it it oh, takes yeah. a certain uh, temperament to be okay with the the wife in the limelight or the husband in the limelight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's he actually he's a very good actor. He said basically one time he was going out for an audition but he was rewiring something mm-hmm. and and it, the audition was just like, you know, when you're an actor you have to say yes to everything. You don't second guess it, you know, and it's it's and so he knew he had that impulse but he just really wanted to stay home and <laughs> keep on wiring something and he was like maybe this is the transition and so um he's a beautiful he's really got a great design eye and but he's also extremely good with his hands and so um there's a lot of aesthetic stuff in that but he knows what it's like to be scared before you go on stage so he mm. took the best of understanding what it is to be a performer mm-hmm. and yeah he he we've worked it out mm-hmm. yeah it, it, it's great it reminds me of Val. You know, my girlfriend has to kind of put up with, like, I will have, like, a strange uh, week of panic or anxiety or something or some sort of vulnerability. And she's all, she's very consistent and very nurturing in that way. Does he provide a similar service for you? <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, he tries. It's hard. I mean, sometimes I just don't want to share it with a lot of people. Are people, you more inward? Well, you know, the people that you really can talk to that about is, is uh, our um, fellow musicians. Mm. Like the thing at the end of the night, it's like people who really want to talk to the longest and have the weirdest things to say are at the end. If you, they want you to sign something, at the end of the th- line, they wait mean? till the end of the line because mm-hmm. they know they have something special to tell you. Mm-hmm. And so you're exhausted. And it's not bad. I mean, it's it's lovely. It, it, I'm grateful for it. I really like me- meeting people. Mm-hmm. It, my world is bigger for, for that time. But by the end, you know, <laughs> and then they say, like, you know, I really want you to, uh, you know, sign my cast. And then they tell you that the cast happened because, you know, they, you know, that they'll tell you a long story. And, and it's and it's a very weird thing. Like, you right. know, I was doing a I was doing a dream quest and I, you know, <laughs> and I was in the Yukon and then I saw Polar Bear and, and I ran and I, you know, and, and you can talk to a fellow musician about that and they'll have that simultaneous like oh no you know and also that like and i also respect that woman Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. i don't mean to diss it but also oh my god you got the polar bear and the yukon broken leg thing at the end of the line right yeah i hate it when that happens yeah and so i often find 
just fellow musicians to really. Do you have a lot of musician friends? Yeah, it's tight. It's kind of like comedians. I think all of my friends are comedians. <laughs> now that it's I a, look at it, it's almost all of them. And I have a lot of you know, I have a, a real mix and match. But but and but that thing, you know, that thing where you're like, I walk into a venue and I'm so crabby, you know, I'm just hiding it, mm-hmm. and then by the end, I'm one with everyone, like. Mm-hmm. I share that with with fellow musicians. Like, oh, that thing, mm-hmm. one with everybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, so, um, you know, or what you do when there's a, you know, a fire alarm goes off. You know, it's just there's certain weird things or that cell happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to roll with that, and yeah. you, and and it's okay. You know, it's like it's both annoying and okay. Sure. Because I've been the one with the cell phone, as right. you know. It happened <laughs> here. <laughs> it happened today. How does it? I'm always interested in how you guys gauge a good show. I mean, like, do you you really want people to be singing along or paying attention? I mean, there's a feeling in the air when it's a better show because comedians get the laughing. Oh yeah, yeah, good point. Well, we get applause. You get applause. So there's that. Um, But even a person not paying attention will applaud at the end of the song. Here's a nice. (laughs) (laughs) She played the last chord. (laughs) There's a merits applause. This is a this is a kind of a nice be here now thing mm. um there is a way that you uh even though you're playing a guitar you listen for the silence mm. you listen for the listening oh wow in the middle of a song and that's another thing that i thought was just me and then i was playing in canada and there was a performer there and he was driving back to the hotel and he and he was kind of like a wise man you know you could tell it, he said i saw you listening for the listening oh. and i was like get out Canadians, no. Canadians always yeah, nail it, you know. Great. So, great. so he said, "I saw, I saw you doing that. I saw you mm. allowing the listening to take up some space." So that's a thing, yeah. And it's it's beautiful. So you, you can, can do tell. that, and you can tell when the, I think the audience can tell when the musician is paying attention to them very carefully. Exactly, yeah. but even to the point where there's this kind of repose where you're playing your little Travis pick, but you're still hearing them. In the, it's like got a kind of feel to it, and um, but otherwise, you know, you can look. Although inevitably, like you, I'm sure this, you look at the one person who's just like, I don't want to be here, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and, and you'll th- find hemorrhoids them. and uh, you know, and yeah. So, <laughs> that sucks. so and, and they don't evolve, you know. Yeah. You're just trying, like you're like, dude, this is for you, and I I'm going to win you over. Yeah, I know because I used to open for Joan Baez, mm-hmm. and she was amazing. Like guys would show up, and they'd be all like, "I'm an investment banker." You're like, I was a hippie, but now I'm an investment. You know, they just had their arms folded. Mm. Their wives were like a puddle, and they were just like, "Yeah, that's not me." But mm. as she would sing, they would go back in time, and by the oh. end of the show, they were there. They were it, back there. It was River Rock again. <laughs> he was back. Yeah. It was the totem name I chose for myself. Yeah. <laughs> Really funny. I love that. It's beautiful. And that's how you can tell it's going well. You said you said when you when we came in that we have something in common spiritually. Is that is that how were you raised? What was that? Okay, atheists. Or what, tell me, you were raised atheists by atheists. No, atheists, oh, well. but atheists who read the book. So like, she can choose her own religion. She can choose her own. Like my mom was like, this. These are black beans. This is called vegetarian food. And we're like, never. they were vegetarian too. No, she tried it one night. We're like, never do that again. She's like, I won't. You know. <laughs> And, and I thought, didn't you put out a thing like to- yeah, the, the, tofu? To, the tofu toll booth? Everyone thought I was a vegetarian, and, and I was when yeah. I did it. But but um, and you know I got uh, today I had a soy latte in your honor. Oh, so thank you. Know. you. Uh, so the um, but she <laughs> in my honor. <laughs> so so um, 
but so it was veg- vegetarian for like one night and like one time I said like I want to watch TV and she goes it's not a drug you know and and Wait, was, they weren't big into TV well they tried not to be big into TV but right. she was re- specifically reading that book called the plug-in drug and she like looks at the book she goes it's not a drug you know and so she was trying to um, so, so the plug-in drug. So what did you? What were you just asking me about? We're my, talking about atheism. Oh, oh, atheism. So it's like. But they were both atheists. So my sister was a babysitter at the Quaker Meeting House and uh, down the street, and I had a crush on one of the kids who, one of the Quakers, one of the friends. Yeah, one of the friends. Right. Yeah. So, so then they invited me to Quaker um, Meeting, and I started going to Sunday school because it was taught by his mom. Wait, Quakers uh, have like Sunday school? Or Sunday yeah, school? but 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 it's like with the Time Life book of world religions and you know poetry and stuff. But Quakers, so killing it, g- killing, killing it. it. So she had us sit. They're the, they're the quiet killers. They're out there killing it, <laughs> and know. you never hear about them. They are, and also the first day I came, they showed a ta- they showed a slideshow about where your tax dollars go, like how much goes to the military. And I'm 11. I'm like, wow, you know, so. Wow. So I um I never think about that. Love so them. troubling. That is, yeah, well, don't don't think about it cuz you will be troubled if you knew. I'll oh never, my god. Forget like a stock portfolio. I remember oh, I, yeah. I had to call my whatever you call that and I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not we're not giving any money to like gun manufacturers, are you? And he was like, "No." But then I I was like, yes, "Of course you are." I'll, yeah. I'll look at that. <laughs> he said no though. <laughs> he had to say no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I was like, "Who knows if if what I'm investing in aligns with my values?" I'm almost positive it doesn't. Especially mm-hmm. when you consider the fact that I'm like anti sugar or whatever it might be. You know Exa- what I mean? Exactly. I'm like, I am definitely an investor in Coca Cola. I'm so full of shit. I, I, yeah. I don't know that for a fact, by the way. But <laughs> well, you saying, could go to E Trade. I'm just saying. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so easy. Even if we can do it. <laughs> I should go to E Trade. Then I would have control over my own investment. And they'd answer your phone call. Like you'd be like, I'm, I can't figure out how to do this. And they'd answer yeah. your phone. I'm like, yeah. Oh my god. I'd have an executive Pete. line. Yeah. yeah. Do you know who this is? <laughs> Do you recognize my voice? <laughs> they would say no. It's been too long. That's my mortal city. It's too long. It's over. <laughs> it's just beginning. So exciting. What so is? Your, your thing, you're going to be on HBO. Well, that's so the new wonderful. thing. That's yeah. the new thing. E-Trade is my mortal city. Yeah, yeah. What, what's Some your latest album it. called? Uh, it's called Emerald. Okay, so Emerald, yeah. uh, my HBO show is my Emerald. That's, right, right. that's my current project. <laughs> All right. So my parents – okay. So I'm going to tell you. My parents were atheists. So there I am and I go to this thing and she sits us down in the graveyard and she says – she says, you don't have to pray to God in any way that you don't want. You can just say, hey, God, you know, mm. and stuff. I mean it was so lovely and Quaker. And, and so she sits us down and she gives us these meditations. She's like, where does the wind come from? Where does the sun come from? Where's And I had like a, a full, full-on – Religious experience. Yeah, when How I was 11. 11. But then, you know, the 70s were there and with all the devil movies, like not – of course, my parents wouldn't take me to see The Exorcist. But we were at sleepovers where you watch the spinoff, the uh-huh. 16 spinoffs yeah. of The Exorcist. Just but you're younger aware, than I am. But, oof. I am. But just growing up aware of The Exorcist scared me. <laughs> I saw it when I was like 29 or something. Yeah, slept with the light on for three days. That's what I did. What is it? I slept, you with, slept the light with the light on, on for three days? After seeing, and I was like 20, 20. That is such a, it's such a terrible movie. <laughs> I mean, like, it's a great movie uh, if, if you want to be terrorized. Well, I was afraid of, the, of being possessed by the devil. Of course. I was super afraid. And I would lie there and I'd just be like, God, don't worry. I won't I have just, premarital sex. Uh, you know, that, that'll do it. Yeah. I won't smoke pot. Don't so. play with a Ouija board. I was just watching an episode of Bob's Burgers, which is phenomenal. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And there playing with a Ouija board and I was like I would never play with a Ouija board I still wouldn't that's kind of a like I had a I had a boyfriend he's like I don't believe in anything there's only two things that are really true in this world that peop, that those people say one is echinacea and the other is Ouija board those <laughs> things are real 
<laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. He's What's like, echinacea? Oh, echinacea is, you know, immunity. Like if you take it, it, echinacea, you don't. You oh, echinacea know. tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a root, you know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'll tell you one thing that works. Milk thistle. Works had, for what? Uh, depression. It, really? It's for your liver. Get out of town. Uh, it's For me, milk thistle is the difference between saying, uh-oh, there's a, a curve up ahead. That's a bad thing. And, oh, there's a curve up ahead. We'll see what happens. Milk thistle? It's silymarin. Yep, milk thistle. I, I'm, I'll write it down. I this is a free you. podcast. People find out all these fun, free things. <laughs> like I'm writing down milk, milk thistle. Is that vegan? Yeah, just <laughs> yeah. Says the word you can get it. it in vegan capsules. <laughs> I want soy milk thistle. <laughs> So, uh, go on. Uh, oh, we're talking okay, about it. so 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 Ouija board. Yes. Yeah, so I was afraid of being. So and actually, I mean, I would you play with a Ouija board? If I gave you a Ouija board, would you play with no, it? No, no. <laughs> we we did it. We did it in of course not. college once, and really? it was it was it was. And I Who spoke to a it? friend, and she said, "Oh yeah." See, the thing is, the the angels that come to you, you know. When you live in Northampton, you have these kinds of conversations. Sure. The angels that come to you f- are for a reason, and they find you, and they, they have messages to give you. Ouija board is like you can get any old thing, yeah, any old oh, random thing. So a lot fun. of times bad, and and yeah. and then and she's like, oh, and by the way, if you find and if one gets into you, yeah, I was like, yeah, uh, you know, then then hold your hands out and just say, please go to the light. It's going to be okay. Don't and don't think that thought. Don't say that out loud with your hands up to your head because then it'll get in your brain. And I'm like. This stuff, man, I I don't know if I love it or hate it, but I, I always will talk about it. But one of the first Mormons I met was like uh, really weird. I, I'm actually not sure if he wasn't like a, a like a, a pathological liar type sure. guy. But I would listen Could to be. his every word, and he was like, if you see an angel. And I was in Utah, and I was there for the week doing shows, and I was like, I am convinced I'm going to see an angel. And he's like, ask to shake its hand. If it's evil, it won't. If it's good, it will. Or something like that. Yeah. And I'm a grown man, and I'm like, <laughs> tell me more rules about the angels. I am so – it could just be recreational. It could just be fun. Yeah, yeah. But for some reason, at the end of the day, I'm not playing – because if you watch like Long Island Medium or something, mm-hmm. they're like, this place was haunted, and the cow- the cupboards would open, and you'd wake up, and you'd have scratches. Yeah. They always had a fucking Ouija board. Get yeah. that shit out of there, Milton Bradley. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I know. It's so weird <laughs> it's because it's made of plastic yeah but we did it and i felt it and it answered and you know when you're a theatrical person yeah. even its timing mm. of the way it would answer and how long it would pause and the, the space between the letters I, I felt this personality behind it Chills. and it was and it was not cool yeah. it wasn't it didn't like us ah. you know it was <laughs> it was uh, fucking with you yeah it was fucking with and also i had had been terribly afraid of the the devil till i was 18 so the but, devil's got the best PR, man. He is. Well, he's all a friend over of mine it. basically said it's it's a, it's a proxy for fear of teen sexuality, specifically Interesting. women. So if you're afraid that your body's all changing and everything's weird and, and something turns you on and you don't know why and you don't know how, instead of going, oh, well, maybe I'm turned on by you know, uh, you know, biceps or something, mm-hmm. y- you go, oh, I must be possessed. <laughs> I don't know what that like. I know I'm afraid of evil. I don't know what the, the crossover. The is. Salem witch trials, for example, it was always single uh, <gasps> women, like Bridget Bishop, for example, uh, the one that I know about because mm-hmm. we did these plays about her, was a single woman, like a sexy older single woman that they were all like, burn the witch. We didn't burn them, but we hanged them, <laughs> and we did hang them because I think there was, and it's always the young girls that are getting possessed, right? And Tituba teaching them about. Uh, like the witch's mark, there's a lot of sexuality there. The witch's mark was something between your vagina and your anus. And yeah. it was this thing that the devil latched on to suck blood from you. Yeah. It was all very, very sexual. So I think it is this 
undealt with inner f- hatred of women's sexuality. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, like, it's better if you're afraid of it because we're afraid of it. And, yeah. I mean, you know, and then there's Carrie. And there's, like, a lot of these things were in sororities exactly. and stuff like that. It's like sororities that turn, turn coven. And, yeah. And so, so it oh got into me, you know. So that wasn't. Um, but I got to tell you something, please. The, the witch hunts. This is something somebody. I wrote a song. I was writing a song, and I told somebody, and he's so smart, and he's like, "Let me tell you, uh, the the witch hunts in the United States were often against women who, um, the women who were, uh, um, they were f- the widows of of farmers. Oh wow! It was it it was big pharma and real estate development back in the day because they wanted to get the women off the land. And they made it illegal to uh, do herbal drugs, basically, like to, 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 to be an herbalist. Oh, really? So that the doctors, you know, you only had the doctors as the aperture of, you know, just So that was like the beginning of was. Big Pharma? I think. In and the then, late 1600s? And then, <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then, and then when it was just getting women off of their land. Yeah. Getting, so that the the real estate's available for a wealthy farmer to come. Interesting. And, then, and also the United States did, didn't do as many as... Europe, obviously, yeah. you know, millions versus, you know, 10. Yeah. So that's an interesting – the United States actually kind of held to its values and it's like, you know what? We're not I fucking, don't think we're going to do this yeah, anymore. Yeah, like, like that's kind of what we were getting away from. Yeah. And, you know, like Nathaniel Hawthorne show, changed the spelling of his last name because, you know, as a sort of a way of disavowing to get away his from, oh. ancestral link. So there's some good news on that front. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never <laughs> – uh, you know, the 4th of July just passed. We should have had a moment where we appreciated the fact that we're like, eh, we're not doing this we don't, anymore. We don't you know, burn people. And yeah. so – but there's a thing called um, – yeah, I remember something called like succubus or something. And, or, and, it, and there was like a, somebody in there. They, they cut off They cut off this thing. You know, they, they slam the door and, and the hand lands on the ground. But then the hand comes to life. And, you know, just – you're nine, yeah. ten. Yeah. That's yeah. So, but then uh, you're afraid of the devil, even though you're raised by atheists. Right. And so then I'm a religion major, and then I go really, to, yeah, and I, and so so, and I went to oh, I went to. A, but what a was the religious experience? I'm sorry. Oh well, you're the, in the cemetery. Or... So I'm in the cemetery. No, you know what? It was well. You know, I think I'm probably not supposed to share it, but it's it's like a, um, I I chose the sort of meditation. This is so sweet, Mrs. Weddle giving us a meditation. Yeah. Uh, uh, of of where the sun comes from, and I just kind of got a sense. More or less that of what I am right now, which is like, yeah, yeah, go deep, go deep with things you care about and and with your searching soul, you know, but like not so deep that you can't come back and be friendly to everybody. Mm, <laughs> like, mm. Don't 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 get exclusive about it, you know. And in college, I avoided things I called meta language courses, which I wish I had, you know, that that use you know big words to describe sort of the phenomenology of things. Mm-hmm. Like I just. I just knew that I'd want to use those words, and then I'd be like, "I can't because I've you know gone this path and you haven't." And uh, so you I, were tempted like, with the power of being able to understand the under. The, not not the well, no, I was tempted with the power of being able to use big fancy words, that's and what then I mean. and then not being able to have conversations. Like I was always knowing that it was. I always know that it's all about how we share and translate ourselves, as opposed to just being like the deepest person, right? Like you didn't want to learn about, religious Latin right, <laughs> so right. you could have big fancy conversations. <laughs> exactly. I always wanted to be the one that made people feel better right? and like they weren't stupid. Mm-hmm. Like I always – I'm a underdog person mm. and, and this little mm, graveyard moment basically sealed the deal in that. And then mm. – then, But what, was it a visceral feeling or – No, but you know, it's like a when you know, you know kind of feeling. So it wasn't, mm. it wasn't Ouija board. Right. It wasn't Ouija board like this is wrong or just as – but then I'll tell you, when I was 33 that year, you know, my 
cousin died. And I was like, you know, I don't really, God, I don't believe in God, really. But I believe in the God that punishes you for asking for stuff. You know, like, <laughs> if you ask for something, you'll get it, but then you'll regret it, like the monkey's paw. And so I... <laughs> you believe in a monkey paw, God. Yeah, the monkey paw. Wow. Right. And so, so I said, okay, this might be monkey paw here, but... <laughs> I really don't want this cousin to die. And I know that if there's a God, it's not really in my hands and there, maybe there's a bigger plan. But I love this guy so much, like more than just about anybody. Like, please don't. I'll just ask that, you know. Mm. And then he died. Mm. And I woke up the next day and I got this really strong hit of this voice in my head, something like that saying, it wasn't personal. <laughs> no way. It wasn't personal. It's not, you know, and this isn't to – this is – I'm not a monkey paw god. <laughs> yeah. Was the cousin sick? He had cancer, yeah. Oh, okay. And then – And I wanted him to turn the corner and he didn't at all. And, and um, so – so, um, but it, I got this real like, I'm not the monkey paw god. Give me a little more credit. You know, I love you. Right. Why can't you think of God as a good thing, a loving thing that really loves, not just like gotcha god. And I was like, oh, God, now I, now I believe in God. So now I have to <laughs> go to church, you know. And I started to, like, I listened to some Christian rock at some point. Like, I was like, oh, oh my God, wow. here I go. Like, progressive, you know, folk, you know. And, and I was like, here I go. Uh, Mark Hurd. I don't know Mark Hurd. Mm, yeah. So, <laughs> and, so then I sort of went in. And I was traveling with Julie and Buddy Miller. And Ju- Julie is wonderful. And I told her that I was going through this. She goes, I saw God's fingerprints on or it's like paw prints on you or fingerprints uh, on you I saw something you were going through something mm-hmm. and she was fabulous and, and so I was feeling I was like okay gonna go to church and Christian church yeah yeah and and I tried a couple and even Quakers and yeah. I was like mm, it's killing it's it's a buzzkill for whatever's going on right now interesting and so I had a big surge for a year of kind of that and and then I never lost my faith in God but it's this sort of organic homegrown God. Apparently. It's a God that you felt in a, in a graveyard and then later. Yeah, and then, and then fear of the devil kind of pushed the faith of God away. Isn't that you funny? You know, fear that I would, if I didn't believe in God, I was going to be filled up with, the, you know, the, the smoke monster or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then so. Um, as, so but then yeah. you went to these churches and they didn't click. No. So I don't think church – although, yeah, we, but, but I think the, the communitas aspect of church, that could maybe work. There's yeah. a really nice guy in our town. He's Episcopal minister. And I went to – with my son. Because my son's like, what is Judaism? I was like, oh, no. Ah. <laughs> 11. <laughs> this is embarrassing. So I took him to a service. and But I like I liked that, the, the experience of being sure. people. I, I remember uh, – I think it Maggie Sweeney. Am I saying that right? She d- has that uh, seri- uh, one-woman show called Letting Go of God. And she talked about being an atheist and missing – the community, how she wishes there were atheist places that had funerals and weddings and just had coffee once yeah. a week. You know what I mean? Uh, Val and I do that. We're like, we got to have like Sunday dinners. We just have to have people come over and that'll be church. Yeah. One of my, uh, pa- you know, he was a pastor and I was an author friends. We would surf every Sunday and that was church. It felt, and we weren't doing it because it was church. It just was church. You it know was. what I mean? We're like, this is great. People do that, but you know, People do that, and it changes their lives. You yeah. know, just so you know, if you and Val did that, yeah, and that was that was is also, that one of your things? Well, kind of, well, one of the beginnings was some friends of mine who live in both, uh, Buffalo mm. would have soup night on Thursdays in the winter, and it was just oh. like free range, free range adults. I don't know what's wrong with me. It, just soup night was very moving. Yeah, <laughs> just now. It was yeah. like soup night, and it was, and and uh, and and it was just out of that impulse, and it didn't have this kind of like. Let's do this. It was like, well, oh, let's do this. And mm. and um but people do that and that's what I'm 
part of what I'm writing about. But then there's somehow this impulse where it, it always it, it can often lead to the next thing. And they're like, like there's towns that have, or at least one town has a, a communal medicinal plant garden. Hmm. And you're like, who are these people? <laughs> but it starts with soup night. You know, yeah. don't start with. God knows, then then the people call you witches. You know, yeah. like if you have if you have negative proximity, you're doomed. But if you just have soup night, yeah, it's a gateway to a, a, an herb a, garden. It's a gateway experience. <laughs> yeah. So who? What is God to you now, today? Uh, well, you know, it's not. I mean, you know, there's uh, because uh, there was also you know religion major in college, so of course I was Buddhist for as long as I could, you know. And then I felt like a bad Buddhist, you know, because my brain was like, blah. And then my friend Nerissa is <laughs> You were a, thinking too much? Yeah, well, she said, she wrote this thing. She said, sit for 10 minutes with your eyes closed and don't ask too many, too much of yourself. Mm. And your life will change. Every day? Every day. And of course, I, I, so I do it every day, except actually I do it once a week. Like, why can't I, like, yeah. 10 minutes is not too much yeah, to ask no, of yourself. I know. But so I, so, so, but now it's 15 and now I do sort of, and I have my, my mala beads, you know, so, mm-hmm. so it's like God and then there's, um, and then there's the uh, mala beads and so somewhere in between there. But how are you framing it? Is it just a... Uh... You know what's helpful? It's interesting. Calling it mother, father, God, you know, that's what the Christian scientists say, mother, father. Oh, really? Or, I've never heard that. When I did that, I it sort of challenged some intersexism. I'm like, well, it's but mostly a guy, you know. Oh, interesting. Like, I was like, whoa, really? You're like radical feminist star. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love. So, but now, but I'm not, but now I'm liking the male, female. I, I can feel it. And I say male, female, God, mother, father, God. Isn't that funny? And so kind of that. I don't know. There's something about f- f- putting those two together. But I, fe- I don't know. I feel but it's it. an external thing. Yeah, but, you know, it's never – when you've been a Quaker and a Buddhist, it's never that external. But you kind of feel – it's like I, I have faith. I, it's like a feeling. That's why I describe it as. It's mm. like a feeling, you can, an emotion. You can't explain it and you kind of, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, you don't have to because it's your emotion. Right. Um, but it's it's I, sometimes I check in. I'm like, this terrible thing happened. Do I still believe in God? I was like, wow, yeah, yeah, it's too. Hmm. But I don't have a lot. But of- is it an, an observing thing? Is it watching things die and checking in with you? Is it a personal thing that you're you're talking to? Kind of, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I pray, I pray, I pray, and with, it- with a lot of with a lot of gratitude. You know, it's like mm-hmm. a check. Yeah, it's like a checking in thing. It's sort of like, do I still? want to be because I was really suicidal when I was 21 and I think oh wow yeah and I talk about it a lot so you know and I wrote songs about it and stuff so so um and um and it's like a virus like I don't feel that way at all anymore Hmm. I mean it was a it was a very I recommend if you are suicidal that you talk to somebody um because there is it's like a virus and people can help you and then you're done with it and I've never had that feeling again um it was just despair or it was it was just a misunderstanding with life I, I don't know. <laughs> what, what, what was it? What <laughs> no. was the misunderstanding? <laughs> well, it might have been, you know, mother-father stuff, you know, it's just sort of over-identification with something, or it might have been. But well, I had a therapist who said, you know, in art, you have to turn things upside down. You mm. know, you're an art major. You're a theater major. So, uh, yeah, you turn everything upside down. See if, in politics, you know, you see it from the underdog. You know, it's really important not to see it from the top down. It's good. And this and this. She said, but you have to say this is what I am. And I was like, that is fascist. You know, it's like mm. the 80s. You're younger than I am, but everything was all relative, relative, relative. So 
I was like, no, I can't. And she's like, no, no, you you will kill yourself if you don't say, you know, this is who I am. This is what I believe in. Hmm. And it's funny because as a Buddhist, I'm sure you're – or whatever you are, you know, it's like, oh, but the impermanence and the change is a, such a big part of identity. But in a lot of Buddhism, like um, Milarepa was you, – you, he, he had to build all these temples and say, don't knock it over. I like, you know, to his teacher, I like this temple. You're not, this is permanent. I like it. I made it. It's me. Mm. And the the teacher said, now we're ready to start the teaching. Hmm. It's like there's a moment where you have to say, okay, this is what I am. That's and right. then you can start to empty it out. Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. So I didn't have that. So okay. I was trying to empty, and I was trying to be a Buddhist. So I was a playwright, and I was a Buddhist, and I was, uh, you know, white privilege, you know, this kind of like walking, like, ugh, you know, oppressor. And, <laughs> No you know. walking, ugh. <laughs> no, I get it. And, 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 and for good reason, you know. I mean, I think that was, uh, you know, for all the people, political correctness, like I think that walking around feeling that way was good, mm. <laughs> helpful. Mm. For, but on top of all of that empty, empty, before I really knew what I was, like mm-hmm. um, I just – it killed me. Like I just didn't – well, also depression is anger turned inwards. So there was mm. a part of me that knew – that I was there and knew that I liked this kind of, you know, that I liked this kind of breakfast cereal better than that one, you know, mm. that who knew and um, was furious at me <laughs> for not kind of taking up a little damn space. And so mm. I think it was that anger. Uh, so, so anyway, it was were, great. I think that's beautiful. I'm mad at yourself for not allowing yourself to take up some space. Yeah. Like I'm here yeah. and this is a lie. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, um, it's hard to sometimes reconcile with who you are and be – like I, I used the word grotesque earlier, but like as somebody who has so much output, you know what I mean? I'm doing the show. I have this podcast. Right. I have my stand-up. There's so much output. I think it, people might be interested to know that there's a lot of times when uh, I'll just be like, ugh, fucking stop. Like it's so much you. And people sometimes throw that at me and I'm like, strangely, I agree sometimes <laughs> with what you're saying. You think <laughs> I just love this. <laughs> But that, that's where I could see depression and, and hating yourself, even when you love yourself, which I do. Yeah. <laughs> but for, for me, it was just like there was – and it's just this willingness, you know. So if a person said something to criticize me, it was just like I became the criticism. It was like reverse Buddhism. Like I became the negative, the, the, the abstract negative thing. I just became it. And any time I was in a bad mood, I was like, oh, boy, I'm going to be down here for the next three days. Mm. You know, so – and so anyways, <laughs> the, this, it was a fantastic – psychiatrist up in Hartford and, and, and I worked it out hmm. big time. Hmm. And, and, um, but anyway, so, so somehow, oh, so, I, so checking in with God is sort of like checking in with like, do I still believe in being alive, even though there's no necessary reason that we should all want to be alive? You mm. know, it's the, the life, I call it the drive to be alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do I still have the drive to but be isn't alive? God itself, herself, himself, <laughs> Isn't that what it is? It's the drive to be alive. Exactly. It's, so, it's being. And then, and then for me, it's like being with this extra feeling of feeling loved, like this kind of like – Loving <laughs> awareness. You know, like it's okay. You know, like, yeah, you know, you're not alone with that. Oh, you feel really humiliated and stupid right now. But, you know it, – It's okay. I don't know. Like a, a, a different kind of parental presence. Mm-hmm. So – and it just never went away. That was 1999 and it just mm. – so, and how does that factor in? I always ask people what they think happens when we die because I, I'm tired of not talking about that. I love talking about that. <laughs> does that factor do into some sort of afterlife plan or 
reusing of energy or there's so you know when you live in Northampton Massachusetts like there's so much stuff about people coming back and people visiting you and people coming back as different like really? I, there's just no you know you have your magical stories and I love mine I and they, they are to be had <laughs> oh I should <laughs> move to North Africa yeah, yeah. And, and so you hear a lot of like I, I t- spoke to a psychic once and she was like she told me to a T what was about to happen for the next year of my life really yep what and she yeah it was quite amazing and so like there's just kind of no going back when you've had that many, you know, magical tarot card readings. Some mm. of them I sought out and some people, you know, shows have come up and spoken to me, which is really nice. And they'll mm-hmm. say things that are um, so. You mean psychics come to shows and come up and talk to you? Is that what you mean? Sometimes, yeah. Or, or, just like like, or they offer feeling. their services. And I mean, who mm. can resist? So, mm-hmm. but, but it's a lot. And they're really, I don't know, I've lucked out. Like mm. things, ha- like I did a past life regression. And guess what I was before this life? What According to what, what I saw. Yeah. What was that? A loser. <laughs> a guy. It's always Joan of Arc. It's it always was, Caesar. I love this guy. He was, he's like, he had a big kind of bushy beard just because he was kind of, and, and he was walking out like the death of this guy. He lived in Vermont, I think. And he walked out into the snow with like not the right footwear and with a beer. Like, so I see the beer like ahead of me. And then <laughs> I see this sort of unsteady, so that he just falls over in the died? snow. He's like, ah, why get up? I don't know. And then he, you know. Oh, my goodness. And, but you know what? I love those guys. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I'm not an enabler per se, but, you know, I, I like, I loved that guy. And I was so happy. It was like a brother. Like, hmm. I'm. I, if I saw you out there, I'd bring you back in and we'd talk about it and we'd figure out if, if there was hmm. a better path there. <laughs> like, that's exactly who I care about, you know, in mm. my audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here you are entertaining <laughs> so, a yeah, lot of those people. Exactly. I mean, yeah, that's great. Out. Yeah. So, so, um, so I, I don't know. Like, so there's the past, another life, or just like kind of uniting with a big truth or something like that. Hmm. I'm sure when I was hearing the, the Lama, the Jolly Lama, I was like, I think I'm coming back. Like I know to Buddhism. Yeah, no, no. Uh, oh, to, coming back to yeah, yeah like yeah. and maybe like as an oh, artwork, like not even maybe necessarily deserving the. That's human. an artwork. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, nothing against artwork. Well, you're going to come back as a as a bearded loser in Vermont, <laughs> who loves dark beer because that's what you're clinging to. But like, I, I you know, I have enough. <laughs> I have enough of that. Yeah. Of I have enough of the bearded beer drinking loser in me that I you know that I but. But yeah. I think I did come back a little better because I can sort of talk to that. I can put my hand on the shoulder of mm-hmm. that person and be like, you know, we can – let's try to not – like I like underdogs, but let's not – let's let's find a path away from just pure underdogness. Like that's let's great. let's fi- empower each other. Oh, that's beautiful. Because you know? I'm a feminist. We have that language, empowerment. Yeah. I think – have we taken that from you as well? <laughs> I think we've stolen it from you. <laughs> no, I will tell you my brother, I'm only happy when men take – that language is that right i mean co-opt it and then use it against women no you know <laughs> no, <laughs> my no, truth I, is that you must be naked and in yeah. high heels that's yeah. you know no yeah. but yeah. but but the lang- that, that language is so it's when actually when m- men you know they say i really love my mom and my mom taught me this and i love strong women and i love that then i can you know have i that just warms my heart that mm. i just you know can you reduce it. your feminism to like one thing that you wish more people would know or think or or understand uh, equality, you know, just we're, we're all getting through the day. I mean, all these women on, you know, f- 
these women on on television now who can be flatulent and they burp and they you know like I think that's really healthy <laughs> you oh, know like we're funny. all we're all exposing our humanness and to each other and yeah. and and also like yeah equality also then men you 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 if you kick your dog at night and that makes you feel better there's something profoundly wrong with you yeah if you if you need to like a friend of mine said I was angry at this ex girlfriend so I went to a strip bar hmm. I was like and I had that smile on my face like oh I can take this in I, and I was like ew yeah 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 ew well you want to join me in the weird waters I think there's something really weird going on with pornography specifically oh, what yeah. what feelings men are exonerating through pornography I think a lot of it has to do with I, it's almost too weird to say like it'll be a Tuesday morning thing but it's like anger towards women in your life, anger towards your mother, anger towards yourself. I think there's a lot of uh, shame in being a man and we feel, I'll just speak for myself, sometimes I feel grossed out that I'm a man and then you watch pornography and it's this world where it's like, no, this is great, everybody loves uh, sucking dick and it's a magical place or whatever. I, I think something weird is being salved or something unspoken, not weird, something unspoken is being salved. Well, you said it about the consumer culture that n- your needs can be met. You live in a That's world it. where yeah. your needs can be met. That's right. And if you go out and you speak to your your neighbor, you know, Sue, and in her herb garden and Sue's a woman loving woman and she's a body positive older gal and she's, <laughs> you know, and she and you say, like, I have these feelings and she's like, well, let's talk about it, you know, have some chamomile tea and we'll, you yeah. know. You risk Sue having like what? What are you talking about? Or you know, yeah. But but there's a really good chance that Sue can help you and be like, well, it sounds like your mom did have something going on. So, right, right. So I can understand how you'd be frustrated and right. and like Sue will instead, you know, Sue will help you roll with it. Hmm. But instead, pornography can help you just pave it. That's you right. Know? That's and right. So I get it, it's but it's a like, simple solution. But it doesn't. It's not even. It's not a solution. But it's the, pavement. Exactly. <laughs> but it, but it does smooth the way for yeah, a yeah, while, yeah. and yeah. and but it just doesn't. But it's like it's not rewarding necessarily, and it's just you know it's like it's not it's not evolution. It doesn't evolve. So equality just means like well, let's all get there because you can't do that to women and be whole yourself. Mm. So you know, like don't. I mean, I really say that compassionately, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, Buddhism gave me a lot of compassion, mm. <laughs> even though I was bad at it. I really, you know, especially men, like, I, I it's like, don't do that to yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's not to say if you have like a lot of shame around pornography that I really want you to go, you know, excoriate yourself and flagellate yourself. But if that is really going on, like, hopefully there are women who you can talk to and we won't, you know bite your dick off you know right, like right, we'll right. be like well uh i can but see how that would have yeah, exactly the, you know um so you know like the friend of mine who went to a strip bar he was a fellow musician mm. and he was recognized by a stripper <laughs> and they put a spotlight on him and she stripped to one of his songs and he was mortified and it was oh just like my God. you know very moment you how know how embarrassing for chris cornell <laughs> <laughs> i just just a random guess <laughs> Oh my God! Pete sees my eyes no. widen. <laughs> what if I was right? I can't believe she stripped a black hole son. That's really weird. All right, so yeah, very interesting. I, well, do you want to play a song? I would love for you to play a song. Sure. Why don't I play something from Mortal City for you? I would love it. I would love that. As long if you feel like that's okay. Right. Okay, but I, I just need to find my 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 technologies. My here. Can you hold yeah. this for a second? I'd be honored. Okay. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> All right.
actually, there's all this, um, oh, okay, uh, I think it's in here, yeah, I put capo. Oh, capo. And a, um, Where are we putting this capo? Third fret? Nice. <laughs> you sound, well, you sound like you know a lot about theory. <laughs> I know so yeah, much. Especially second fret, the, the, you know, that one, because you know how important that is. Oh, sure. All right, so I'm going to just, I don't have a microphone. We're going to do this. So, um, okay, so we're going to bring this down to dadgad tuning. To what tuning? Okay, so. Ooh. So the E string goes down to a D, and oh, oh dad, yeah. Maybe, maybe people don't really care, but yeah, I care. It, it names the strings. Dad. D A D G A. D. Dad gad. See, we're learning. People learn a so lot. It's very pretty. Which song is in Dad gad? February. I was going to ask you to play February because oh, okay. I like sad songs. Yeah, oh yeah, me too. I love sad songs. This this uh. Uh, this one. This is the one. Do you cry when you write something? When you kind of ca- have that aha moment in, in a in a comedy routine, like when you're just like, "Oh my god, it's going to lead to this," and it's just like, "Wow." You mean like a moment when you're writing it? That's interesting. No, no. but I do cry <laughs> when I listen to this song. Oh. Not, not enough that it's going to be weird. <laughs> but do you? When you're writing, when you were writing the song, was it emotional? Yeah, and but it can even be funny. Like, but it's like oh, that's what I wanted to say, and I'm so relieved. Interesting. That my eyes well up. <laughs> if I'm writing something and I get where I was trying to get, I'll stop. I'll have headphones on. I'll take them off, and I'll say to Valerie if she's in the room, I'll be like. You know, I'll tell her a war story of how great it was. And I was like, I didn't feel like writing. I sat down and I got there. And that's how annoying it is to live with me. (laughs) (laughs) No. Share it. I have to. There's no other choice. But it's, you know, keep it between. Sorry. No, please. Just in case. The universe is in D, and then the universe will be sad if it's out of tune. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. <clears throat> I threw your keys in the water. I looked back. It frozen halfway down in the ice They froze up so quickly The keys and their owners Even after the anger It all turned silent down The everyday turned solitary So we came to February Forgot where we planted those bulbs last year And then we forgot that we planted it all Then we forgot what plants are all together And I blamed you for my freezing and forgetting And 
The nights were long and cold and scary. Can we live through February? Christmas was a long red glare. Shut up like a warning. We gave presents without cards, and then the snow, and then the snow came. We were always out shoveling. Then we dropped to sleep, exhausted, and we'd wake up, and it's snowing. So long that it lasted into March, and found us walking a path alone together. You stopped and pointed, and you said, "That's a crocus," and I said, "What's a crocus?" And you said, "It's a flower." I tried to remember, but I said, "What's a flower?" You said, "I still love you." The leaves were turning as we drove to the hardware store. My new lover made me keys to the house, and when we got home, well, we just started chopping wood, 'cause you never know how next year'll be, and we'll gather all our arms can carry. I have lost to February. Hearing me do it live, maybe it's amazing. I, well, I haven't heard it other than on the album, and your voice has changed. It has in, yeah. a, in a great way. Thanks. Yeah, I've, I've been there now. You know. <laughs> God, that song, man. Does it make you sad? Uh, no, you know it changes over time. Yeah, but, and and uh, so 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 it reminds me of different things. You know, it stays alive. Yeah. You know, I don't know how long you hold on to certain material, but you know, if it's dead, it's dead. Yeah. But it's still that song's still alive. Yeah. It's funny, you know, I can, the things that I pictured the first time I heard it, like the first line about the keys freezing and the ice and everything, are the same images that I think of when I was, you know, 16. I still have the same mental pictures when I hear it. And I, I just, I think that's a gorgeous song. I think you should know that. You Thank find you. Out. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. It, it, took a, it took a while to write. Yeah. Did it change a lot over the... Was there like a rough draft, or did it kind of come together? It came, well, you know, it came apart in different pieces, and and but when the, when I said, you know, when I imagined that that moment, um, you know, he says, "What's a crocus?" I said, "It's a flower." Try to remember what's a flower. I said, "I still love you." I I really felt that, mm. not just because it was sad, but also just because, like. It's just such a beautiful moment when somebody breaks out of the metaphor and says, "Can we really just say what we're saying?" Mm. and 
And sometimes they're really bad at it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like they've had a lot of therapy. They just, it's out of this sort of rawness that they just go like, this is really what's going on here. You know. We're not talking about flowers. <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. And, and, and just like, you're leaving, you know. And so that's, you know, that, that, that moment of when you just break out of the, the way you're supposed to be talking to each other, like that just killed me. And mm. I thought, well, okay, I'll finish this song because I want that moment. Mm. And then I sort of uh, <laughs> arranged it around and, and the, the image of the keys. But, um, you know, because we really can lose each other. That's, what, that's what's so heartbreaking, heart-wrenching even mm. about that song is people who love each other. I I'm, I'm, mm. might even be wrong. This is just what it means to me. They love each other and everything seems so beautiful. But then the snow and, and that's just the inevitability of what happens in a love and you're doing your best, yeah. and you're trying to get rid of it. But the presence without cards line, that's, that might even be why you're on this, because I always reference that line. I think that summarizes what like a love gone cold can feel like. You still yeah. do it, but you don't have any like words behind it. It's yeah, so and there isn't any endearment. And yeah, it's, it's very, yeah, so that... But they're doing their happen. best. Yeah, yeah. They're and, doing and they're their not best. bad people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bad. And but you know, I had a therapist, she goes, What is what do you think? I'm always being quizzed. She said, What do you think <laughs> determines the success of a relationship? I was like, values, <laughs> politics, <laughs> food, hmm. hobbies. And she said she said, What they're finding is a four to one really four to one ratio of good to bad experiences. Hmm. So for every fight you have, try to have four good experiences, you know. Interesting. And so there's and and you know, but then you can freeze yourself out by never having a fight because you're like, uh oh, are we up to four? <laughs> so you got to be careful with that too. But but you know, but if a, a really bad winter will kind of freeze you out, yeah. you know, and yeah, 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 you will forget. I also love the the way the word March stands out. It's such a odd month <laughs> you know what i mean there's nothing it's not yeah. a very poetic sound no. and you really enunciate it and it and that line too that it's so long it bleeds into another month it's just so beautiful well, i can't get over the, it for the yeah for the i don't poetic. want no no i don't no, want I, to put my and then is it a new i i assume they're not together and at the end yeah. you're getting keys from someone else yeah 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 i mean it's just so but sad some people think it's the same person it sounds like it's the same person because you've you're preparing for a, another winter. So it seems right. like, oh, maybe they learned and they're getting yeah, more wood. Yeah, and now you're my new lover who's, who understands. It's funny, to me, I, it's another lover. Yeah, me too. And, and P.S. <laughs> and, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, have, I have this guy who just royally dumped me, when I, and, I, and I deserve to be, you mm. know, when I was like 20. And, 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 he, <laughs> and he said he hated the word lover. He says, I hate the word lover. And every time I sing, maybe not anymore, but for a long yeah. time, every time I sang it, I thought, well, I hope he doesn't hear this. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my favorite word either, but, you know, it, you know it, and it's so funny, like, for so long, I would, every time I got to that, I was like, God, I wonder if he, well, who cares? <laughs> so funny. I love it. That, and going back to the mental images, I see the first house, I see the road and the keys at the beginning and the end. It's just, it's not easy i think to really claim some real estate in someone's brain like oh. that and be like no that's a place like i could dream and go to that song go to where the shoveling takes place what the bed looks like it's the same thing with mortal city i know what that apartment looks like oh that, and yeah, wrapped that's... up like ornaments and mm-hmm. what they looked like and is that a true story uh, n- no except that um my friend i mean it was probably the beginning of this book for me because my friends said you know, people probably go like, "You should do a joke about you know," and mm. you're like, 
it's always no, you know, you're being like, <laughs> Megan trainer. Like my name is no, my number is no, like no. And, but she said, you should write a song about this thing that happened in Philadelphia. They, um, asked everybody to turn out their lights because they somehow the way the thing was rigged, they needed the electricity for the hospital mm-hmm. in an ice storm. And she said, and somebody was telling a story about how one by one they saw that, buildings go out but it wasn't and this is what killed me it wasn't the houses you know it wasn't the apartments it was the businesses hmm. the businesses shut down hmm. you know one after another in hmm. the downtown of philly and i don't know why that got me because business is supposed to be so is a machine black and white yeah and so the idea that businesses were filled with all these people with their beating hearts who cared and who said i'm turning off my computer i'm turning off my light hmm. this we are going to turn down it just it just stuck with me, and then I sort of if you know, and I was a playwright, so I kind of imagined what it would be like to have somebody say, you know, we don't really need, you know, you see, talk about needs being met. We don't need receptionists. Mm-hmm. We don't need those things. So, so many things we don't need. We don't need to live in cities. Right. We want to. We want to bump into a person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like sure I can stay home watch a lot of pornography, but I want to bump into you know, this person on the stairs and mm-hmm. and the grumpy guy at the newsstand and the, the cigar and the, you know. So so um, I, I think I was feeling it. And so it evolved pretty fast. But uh, people not familiar with the song, that's what oh, it's about. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I realize I'm, yeah, we're, now no, we're just two people talking. Yeah. But it's the idea that that's what's happening. The hospital needs the power and everybody's turning off their light and it's like a date. Right. And it's a first date and it's cold and and this woman is all cynical and this guy. And I also, I love, because I was feeling it for guys so much then. Like the guy says to her, you know, played by Peter Sarsgaard, no doubt. Mm. Uh, (laughs) In the play, you mean? Yeah. (laughs) Just putting it out there. Sure. Uh, But, you know, he (laughs) comes and she says, I feel so cynical. What the hell? This is such a cold place. And he says, you know... Why, were, why are we here if we're so cold? We really choose to be in proximity. We choose to be with each other. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I loved that idea of somebody convincing another person through that thing of of the hospital. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that that and and at the end of the day, what are we? But you know, one heartbeat sitting by the hospital bed of another heartbeat saying, mm-hmm. you know, you're my love. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Sorry, I made myself emotional. I, oh, it's so good. I, that one makes me cry every time too. But it's 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 that idea that you know uh, Sarah Silverman, who's a friend of mine, was just sick and almost uh, died, and it, and it's just like when when we're reminded of the hospital in that song, yeah. when we're reminded of death and what's really important. Of course, you turn off your lights and your computer and all that stuff. It, it's those little things that wake you up. Yeah, it's all this like big play that we're putting on that we eat sandwiches and we buy magazines and stuff. But as soon as somebody's sick. Or almost dies, or does die, yeah. which unfortunately has happened to all of us as well. You're just kind of like, oh my god, this is all. Yeah, it's all so much more aching and tragic and beautiful and gorgeous and fragile. Yeah, and we all do a really great job forgetting that until there's a nice storm and we need to turn our power off. Yeah, and which is a kind of, and then and also to feel welcome in it too. You mm-hmm. know, like and actually, and someday you'll be vulnerable and. This this is what the city will do for you too, right? You know, so so uh, you know to feel it both ways. I agree with you. Yeah, that's lovely. I feel silly asking you to say the the catchphrase, which is how we end the episode, because oh. <laughs> the song is so but, beautiful. Oh gosh! Oh great, Pete, you just made it weird. <laughs> I did. We, we were really getting somewhere, and and then you made it weird. I, 
<laughs> no, it's just <laughs> what's the t- oh, sorry. So what? You don't like? have to, but when we're done, you're going to say, "Well, if you will, you'll say keep it crispy." But you don't have to right now. Do you feel satisfied? I feel satisfied. Yeah, no, we can we can do that. It's, and it's, uh, no, so make, make it crispy. Is that what no? Keep it crispy. Keep it crispy. What, what the? I, I knew. I'm sorry. I knew that. No, please. Um, okay. Yeah, keep it crispy. <laughs> I love it every time, especially in a somber moment discussing mortality and, yeah. and the beauty of your. Of Why your is music. it supposed to be funny? It makes me laugh. <laughs> it never doesn't make me laugh. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I love this show. I'm I'm honored that you're even aware of it. And where can people see you? Darwilliams.com? Is that a thing? Yeah, they can come to Darwilliams.com. Yep. It's somebody else, but no. <laughs> um, and then, you know, on my Facebook and all that stuff. And you're touring around and people can see you do these Yes, yes, songs. I do all these. Yeah, so we're going to do the Mortal City Tour in the fall, and that's going to be a nice, we're going to bring it to life. For that's the great. Fall, fall. yeah. I'll be there in L.A. if I can. Yeah, and, I, yeah I'll be in L.A. in January. So, okay. And then the City Winery. And, and So wherever you are. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Dar. This was amazing. Thank you. Okay. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 